0: We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is uh, not here this week, but this is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss the movies weekly. However, every now and then like have do special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something different, but this is our commentary track for August 2022. And <laughs> what feels like a, a challenge set up a lifetime ago is finally being delivered upon this month as we are talking Kiss Me Deadly. The 1955 Woo. film noir from director Robert Aldrich, uh, starring t- uh, Ralph Meeker as <laughs> as Mike Hammer. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we got we got a lot going on here, so let's get to our guests. Joining me to discuss and commentate, that's a word, over Kiss Me Deadly, we have from Wise Blue and host of the Brandon Peters Show, His Gun is Quick. It's Brandon Peters. Uh, though
1: I have to say goodbye, remember me.
0: Also joining us from the Milky Way Blues vengeance is his it's yancy burns hey guys glad to be here tonight excited and from forbes he's only here one lonely night it's scott mendelson is that a what's it in your pocket are you just happy to see me <laughs> that's a great what's it i did i didn't sing that because i didn't want this to get flagged so <laughs> i said it straight those are all uh mickey spillane novels hi guys how are you all doing this evening
2: i'm doing good. okay
0: good, good. Good. Glad to have you all here. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about Kiss Me Deadly. Um, Scott, you are responsible for this. I was bluffing? You you, you made a jest (laughs) on, on Twitter that people are talking too much about other things and you'd be happy to talk about a film like Kiss Me Deadly. And little do you know, I pay attention to Twitter. And I said, you know what? I would be happy to do that as well. And then you made the noble claim of, "Hey, book a commentary, and we'll be here." Guess what? We're here. Uh, almost a year it after. It was you made
2: lying. This-
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, well, now we're gonna like the, your audience, the people that follow you, and you have you have like a few, like you have dozens of followers. Uh, but we're we're gonna put you to the test uh, to see if you can keep up with us because apparently we're noir experts now um, to talk about <laughs> kiss me deadly <laughs> for the next hour and 40 or so minutes. This is going to be fun though. Cause I think we all really like this movie. Um, and mm-hmm. so there's plenty and there's plenty for us to go over in the realm of film noir, let alone Aldrich films and other things of this nature. So that's what we're going to do for those listening to this commentary. If you're planning to watch the film kiss me deadly and follow along with us, uh, all you have to do is pause the film uh, at the MGM Lion Roaring. on um, we For three of us, we have the Criterion Disc. So that's about 15 seconds in. So if you plan to watch that way, just try to time it to the opening logos of the MGM Lion. If you plan to just listen to listen, you're cool. You just got to, you know, just just keep listening. That's all you, you know, while, while you're on your run and you've somehow decided to select Kiss Me Deadly commentary track. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's all you have to do from here. You just keep running and listening to this. So... I think we're all good.
2: It looks like Yancey's struggling. Is it hammer time? (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Oh, no, I've got hammer time. Uh,
0: (laughs) Why is Brandon wearing the pants? Uh, (laughs) All right, we all good? We all ready? Uh, uh, All right, three, two, one, go. All right, Kiss Me Deadly. So this is fun because this is a film that none of us presumably have seen in theaters for the first time. Um, we I almost have, had one, I invented but Peter time didn't travel. come. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, before, we even, before we even talk about when we first saw this movie, because I am curious about that, let's talk about just how this thing opens because it has yep. a cold open. It has this great, like, just thrilling open where Cloris Leachman, in her first film, uh, just arrives on the scene wearing a trench coat, just like panicked and like trying to flag a car down. This is like, I, I I can't think of a noir that opens like this drastically.
2: Um, I mean, I don't want to sit here and say that this film was the first movie to do X or Y or Z because I'm sure that's not true. Sure, But I do know even just from doing some research that this was a film that was a trendsetter in a lot of very small ways mm-hmm. in terms of both what it was and in terms of what wasn't being made and what choices weren't being done when this film was made?
1: Well, stylistically um, too, like yes, they they claim that so like this <laughs> this kind of came and went, but it is apparently inspired French New Wave, which then inspires yes. stuff back here, but it originated <laughs> from claiming this.
3: This is the key um, for 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 those for Cépho and Godard. This is like the mm-hmm. key. This is towards the end of the film noir cycle, but yeah. it's it's a few years before the french would name it film noir and 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 uh and yeah this is the stylistic abruptness though even the way that the credits run sort of backwards this backwards credits too that even now, get that's the kind of what are really excited those guys because it's such a it's such a strange and it's a sort of you so you can listen to her moaning and breathing for 45 seconds mm-hmm. in, in the passenger seat a very strange way that. To and you know, it's set you off your like, what, like. What's going on? Credits are going backwards. Who's this Meeker Ralph guy? Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, and and during this, and a lot of scenes in this movie, since we're in this driving credits thing, that I noticed, uh, like back in the day, I know they did the, the projection thing with drive, but like driving, like even just a normal drive felt dangerous
0: as hell back in old movies.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this was mostly real driving. This yeah. was not the back projection, yeah. whatever.
0: It's a big part of the film um, the the use of the cars yeah. and the speed and whatnot. Like um, it's just, it's usually... And
2: including these credits, there's a certain.
0: Credits I mean, when I first up. saw
2: th- when I first saw this in in film school during a detective class, spoiler, that's when I first saw it. It almost felt like I don't want to say it felt like a horror film, but it kept me on edge, and in a way that you know I didn't feel with say the Maltese Falcon. It's there's a
0: certain it's way
1: different, yeah. There there
0: very much is, and we'll get to that much later on in this film. As far as like this movie has a jump scare in it that I did not see coming when I first saw it, but yeah, it does have this kind of yes, it you know it classifies as noir, but it's certainly like toys of other genres, just given the time period it's coming in, the lateness of it in the noir period, a little
3: bit, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, it's coming at the you know into the Cold War age and into the nuclear age. It has just elements that it's tinkering on there, and obviously you have directors that are leaning in on it like you mentioned you know the, the french directors but also you know you have yeah alex cox and uh, tarantino and even like richard mm-hmm. kelly uses this heavily in um southland tales so it's it's like there's among the many other you know people that have referenced this movie right? there's the lost ark references movie. right i mean there's like so many things that call, I, that, call I mean, that i mean this is this is that
1: kind of like punk rock experimental that if someone just randomly picked up an old movie to watch and i would be like unamused but be, but you gotta be like realize like no this was insanity back then like this is yeah. not how everything was this is this change it, you know it may have done it in a in a more subtle way through the industry but it changes th- changes things
0: it 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 does and it's it like it's robert aldrich coming in 1955 so yeah like this is pretty much the end of the like film noir period and so it, it it's the kind of film that can capitalize off of all the stuff that was done beforehand to be like well, what if we did this this way and made things differently and it's and it works while still being like mm-hmm. this you know funky adaptation of a mickey spillane now it's like it's got a lot working for it that just makes it stand out in its own way right and, and it, it's, it, gotten... it's sorry go ahead Aaron. i was just gonna say it like i can understand why among the you know the many films of this genre that came out regardless of which ones are classic which ones are just you know throwaway noir's It's I can understand why you know it has maintained a certain legacy. It's in what the National Library of Congress at this point. Uh Like it has a lot, even though you know, just kind of came and went. Like Scott, you said it. It's held on over all these years for good reason.
1: Well, I think too. Like if I were to recommend a film noir to somebody, like this would be at the top of the list because of the there's like a heightened theatrics uh, aspect to this that I think could just play well for a first timer. Um, And like I said before, it's. Paced really well for a film from this era, uh, and of the genre. Like it, it, it moves. It's got some really like out there things that happen throughout, and people play things a bit bigger, which I think can help if as a gateway. uh, Very much so. It's always
0: been a pretty go-to top five. Like, what's like exactly what you just said? Noirs. You you Mm -hmm. know, it's easy to say Sunset Boulevard, Double Indemnity, Maltese Falcon. This one just fits right in there. I think, though, as far as you know, it has. You know, it doesn't have a bogey it doesn't have necessarily some of the bigger like elements that you get some right some of the more obvious noir classics doesn't make them bad at all. But it's still like it just has the right kind of vibe where you can easily like find yourself enthralled in what's going on because like yeah. and, like we said at it start out, it just gets going right away
1: yeah. this they those fit the stereotype. This one almost feel I mean, I don't know if exploitation's the word for it, but it kind of goes in those like well It let's, leans on it like it like push everything that happens in these. Let's push them to a it
0: feels I mean, like even for a b movie it feels like a b movie as far mm-hmm. as like what it's doing
2: i mean even when it came out from what i you know what i've read up you know the 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 critical reception, while generally positive, it did feel it did feel like a film that was trying to be quote unquote extreme for its era. Yeah, it's it's got a lot um, of like
0: nihilistic claims to it. Yeah. And, it and it's it's a oh. meaner movie. <laughs> yeah. Like we're watching I mean, we're our, watching our protagonist Leech, is an asshole. He is, mm-hmm. and with Chorus Leach right here, she's gonna be murdered
2: horribly in a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. It's not, and, a, it's, not a, it's not a nice movie. I, I will say something that's intrigued me, which is that a lot of the stuff that sets this movie apart. And I'm assuming people have seen this if they're going to listen to a commentary track from us about "Kiss Me Deadly," but you know, you know, in terms of the horrors of the nuclear age and stuff, that was them getting around censorship issues of the Hayes Code because yeah. they couldn't quite do, you know, drug dealing mafia people. Hmm. So they and that of, never you know, changed. Yeah, exactly. And you know, <laughs> I don't know which ending I saw of this picture when I first saw it in film school because I was you know 20 some years ago, but I do know that up until the 90s the film ended slightly before the quote unquote official mm-hmm. version was supposed to end. And a lot of the scholarship on this film about how it represented a certain, you know, doomsday scenario, nuclear Holocaust, blah, blah, blah. That was because they kind of put the wrong ending on the bridge. Right. We'll get to um, that. Cause it's all, it's,
0: I, I, I always think of myself as like, which one's like a creepier ending. It's not like yeah. the actual ending of this movie has a you know a, a more discernible fallout
2: <laughs> that yeah, comes it's, it's not you know, <laughs> it's weird it's, it's a strange yeah. example where depending on how you want to look at it where the theatrical ending is slightly bleaker and darker than it's, the yeah. quote-unquote director's cut ending
3: sure right slightly yeah. it, 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 somebody mysteriously cut out 80 seconds yeah from the, the main print of this movie nobody knows who and yeah cutting out those 80 seconds that made it look like the main characters also perish at the end in, yeah. in the in the cut that's now been circulating for 25 years or whatever, they, they sort of stumble out into the ocean. They're still alive. I guess it's a little less apocalyptic, but it's still yeah, like
0: there's still like some terrible dirty bomb going off in the, the yeah. room next door, basically.
1: <laughs> it, it's like the reverse of what you normally have. Normally it'd be like the direct, oh, they forced us to keep them alive in here, yes. but we had this. It, it's like the reverse of yeah. that.
0: Yeah, for some reason, that made more
1: well, sense
2: to so them. Right? They agree. still probably have radiation uh, poisoning well, and might have to die after that. So. He's ain't getting his PI license back.
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I exactly. do. If it, want, if it wanted to lean really into sci fi, it would have went because it has the end come up. Then it should have had question mark and then yes. just be the black. <laughs> yeah. Well, here we go. The feet. Yeah, this is creepy. Like, yeah. This, oh yeah, this or, is like, terrifying. Like, just and the way it's like happening, like just outside of him, and he's uncon- my, uh My camera's unconscious a lot in this movie. By the way, <laughs> he gets knocked yeah. out like over he's and over. He's not
2: very good at. Well, I would say he's not good at his job. He's very good at his job. He's not good at this kind of. He's okay work. in this movie. He's okay at his job. Like this, yeah. like he's the books. As
0: I'm aware, he's like a good p, like a good slip, Yes, where yeah. like in this movie, which is very much not the book he's like yeah. sleazier you know oh, yeah he's, he's, well, he's good but he's an oaf like he's just yeah like, yeah, oh, yeah. And, the, and like and the women love him <laughs> but they also make fun of him like yeah. it's, it's a really in, like this movie I, I was listening to the Criterion's commentary for this which you should maybe listen to before this one and um, <laughs> <Scandal>. <laughs> um,
2: they're describing this as like they ba- go fuck itself
0: they're describing this as basically a feminist film and it's like I can see why like women dominate the kind of the narrative of this story and guide a lot of the plot line like I get where that comes from, uh, but it is interesting because
2: Mike Aber is such a such a dick. That's really the one you have to follow along. Watching it again in preparation for this because you know I hadn't seen it in twenty some years. I figured I should watch it again. I, I gotta you know, and again I don't want to say one you know. One inspired the other, but I got a lot of very, very, you know, Dr. No Sean Connery James Bond vibes from him in that he's a brute and he takes a certain pleasure in being a, you know, doing violence and, and he's not a hero. He just happens to be on the side of right in this particular occasion.
3: That is very, um, true. Yeah, very true. Yeah.
2: And I, in the I, same I, way that, you know, for all the shit that the early Bond films get for their, you know, female characters or whatever, you know, when you watch those movies, most of the women are, either throwing themselves at Bond because they just want to fuck or they're, you know, enemy agents that just want to murder him. So mm-hmm. it's it's a similar dynamic where, yes, he gets laid a lot, but it's not because he's, you know, it's not because he's taking advantage of anybody.
1: Well, there's a great part in Dr. No where he's with the evil, uh, the, the evil agent at her place. And they're like, he knows, she knows. They don't yeah. admit to each other, but she's got to keep him there and he needs to keep her. And it's, yeah, it's it's kind of, it's really dirty and stuff because it's done in such a more clean way, yeah. Um, because of the times,
2: but yeah, uh, it's, yeah,
1: these that, these angles and stuff yeah. you didn't get those in noir, a lot of film yes, noir, It really can't. get it, yeah, it
2: keeps us off balance.
1: You got stuff like what, uh, it was what year was Seconds when that came out? Seconds that? of 60, no, um, mm,
0: 66. So okay.
1: that's <laughs> still a ways away, but I'm just trying to think of stuff that would have some more odd or yeah like the, the you
0: know the or dutch angles isn't is mm-hmm. heavily a thing in noir as i think some some expect i think like doesn't like it, wells use it quite a bit like in some things um
1: german expressionism stuff. like uh, like <laughs> I
0: because i think uh was it like late is it like lady from shanghai doesn't that have like a number of like tricky shots just by nature yeah. of movie in general yeah let's uh, so let's... before we move too far and this is what this is um uh, Maxine Cooper right this is her debut film as well um before we get too far let's go let's go over when we first saw this Scott you first saw this in college is that what you're saying
2: yes I took a, a detective film class in my junior year of college <laughs> yes no no um <laughs> and you know it was sort of a mix of of you know Agatha Christie type detective stuff with you know film noir hard-boiled post-world war ii detective pictures And Detective Books. We did, you know, read a few Agatha Christie's here and there. And this, you know, I very much enjoyed the class. I liked everything that I saw. But this one kind of, you know, it stood out as, you know, this is, you know, again, the vibe I got from this, this film is weirdly scary. You know, it had a certain horror tinge to it that I certainly was not expecting. Yeah. And... I knew that it had a reputation. I kind of sort of knew the whole briefcase thing and how it inspired Pulp Fiction or whatever, but watching it and especially, you know, doing the reading in terms of what was normal, what was not, yada, 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 like, Oh, I can see why this was a cult classic eventually because this really feels like, you know, pushing the edge of what you could get away with and the kind of stories you could tell even back then. Um. So yeah, it, 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 it was, you know, it was, I, I, very much enjoyed it. And I, I, while I absolutely would recommend it in terms of film noir, I would almost package it with a couple more traditional ones first, just so a newbie understands what, what toys it's playing with. Um, but anyway.
0: Yancey, how about you? When did you first, You Kiss
3: Me Deadly? Um, I would have seen this probably 99 or 2000. Um, whenever it was that MGM put out a sort of new iteration of it with both versions. I think it was a laser disc. Mm-hmm. Probably saw it in 99 uh, at the behest of probably a review from Mike Clark in the USA Today, one of my heroes. Um, probably raved about it in his column when I went out and bought the Laserdisc. Um, probably the first time I saw It Could Deadly, yeah.
0: What was your impression when you saw it?
3: Oh, it's a terrific movie, you know. It's, it's, um, it's funny, you were saying uh, somebody mentioned... Uh, it, you know it, it's towards the end of what they traditionally talk about is the film noir cycle which wasn't named as such nobody knew they were making film noir movies these were just melodramas they were referred to as melodramas that title that the very idea of film noir wasn't coined until the cycle was over this is about three years before the end of it um and you can tell that the cycle is almost over because even though it's not really a, a recognized genre at the time ralph meeker is such an unappealing hero in this he's got almost no good qualities at all and the, the you know and yet you are completely bound up in his story and you as the viewer can identify with him even though he's a sleazebag that that's a long way from 1945 which is when the genre sort of recognizes having started with the multi falcon and double indemnity, yeah, if more and conflicted characters
0: and existential crisis characters and what? Yeah,
3: it's just I, I always thought it was a way around the Hayes Code, which was which said that crime couldn't pay.
0: Real, real it, quick, real quick. Uh, wano Hernandez is an idiot he just came in. Vavavoom, who is just a delightful character. <laughs> I like this guy oh, a yeah. lot.
3: <laughs> this may not be true, but I was when I was watching this, earlier, I, I had the impression I have before that when you want to present a character who is not. Particularly corrupt, or uh, oftentimes, these o- sort of outsized immigrant characters in noir movies, and there are a couple in here. There's the guy later who's carrying the thing with the, ba- with the band around his head. They almost always represent a, a sort of uncorrupted version of, of the American dream, which at this point, even though this is charging out of World War II, this country was the best, had the best vibes it ever had even people on the lowest wrong, all boats were lifted during that era. There was just more money and more prosperity. And yet there was also somehow this 10 years of movies where there's so much pessimism, so much negativity, so much fatalism. And is, is it connected to the fact that the World War II, is it connected to the, the, the dawning of this idea of the atomic bomb being this actual existential threat where all of a sudden there was a thing that could kill us all that didn't exist before this? I don't know how much people thought about that by 1955, or how much people thought about what had happened in the Holocaust in Germany. A lot of that stuff was still—we were still just rolling off those good vibes and having.
0: But and, I do think, it, what subconsciously or not, I do think Aldrich is smart enough to know what he's doing with this. I do think he absolutely.
3: This is definitely like he must have been reading the articles himself ten years before when that mm-hmm. A-bomb first went off. But this is presenting the A-bomb as as a, a horror, sort of a horror. You know, a horror, like a—it's a, almost like a. HP Lovecraft interdimensional entity that can yeah inside the way it's
0: presented I mean we'll all get everybody
3: there was and, nothing um, like that you, you real oh, quick you awesome.
0: mentioned you mentioned like you know having these like immigrant characters and what have you like something I I <laughs> that's interesting about Mike Hammer of all the things all his vices he's not racist like he's nope. ni- he's nice to the people <laughs> he's very nice to the people of color in this film which there
3: are a few. Yeah, he's the hero. He's supposed to, he if you look but at But he's I mean he's <laughs> a jerk. Like he's not great to <laughs> everybody. To and Murder My Sweet. I think that's also my camera yeah. in the 40s. He's also a cynical detective hero but he's not quite a jerk. He's still kind of graceful. He's still sort of handsome. Ralph Meeker in here is just he's the guy who would have played a thug. In an, in I'm sure I'm sure he did in earlier. Yeah, noir. And yeah. yeah. I guess that the women like him, but he is he does nothing about this character that I want to grow up to be like this. Mike Hammer. No one would ever say that, but you still are happy to go with him on this hundred minute journey into this, this I, which because his cause is just. His cause is just, but also, I mean, the but cameras, camera. the cameras
0: following him. him. I mean, that's that's really <laughs> what it comes down yeah. to. <laughs> like it's we're choosing, like we're not going after like his blonde detective friend, who seems like a really cool actor. That guy, by the way, I like but his just his general look in this movie. Just, well, like, yeah, yeah. Just well, by it, def- but just by having blonde hair, I think by default makes him like just seem interesting. You yeah. might that with canted ankles, and you like you got all kinds of things going for you.
1: Well, I mean, Meeker also he comes off tall and broad shoulders, more yeah. like an athlete than he would a detective. So it's uh-huh. kind of a weird. Spin, especially with all the guys that were being cast in these roles at the time too so he's, yeah he's a bruiser he's off like, just from yeah this, from appearance
3: this is, 55. This, this is this is starting to fall at least out of fashion in this country whatever that initial burst of cynicism was by the late 50s you don't see these kind of movies again and whoever scott whoever mentioned james bond you guys are both talking about it. i've always thought that that's totally the case james bond is a post-war film hero because he's not a hero he's not heroic he's he'll he's kill a- you if it, blunt if it instruments. Cause, it right? that <laughs> but you still identify with him, and he's still the hero, which is a major change in the kind of movies narratives. Because before that, Humphrey Bogart might have been kind of a shady character, but he wasn't. He wasn't an amoral killer like James Bond, and James Bond, I think, is spun out of this sort of noir era. You know,
1: I mean, For like sure. a Bogart might be driven to that one kill in the third act that he does, but that's about. Right. Where people talk
3: about you know neo, you know film noir period and they talk about the neo-noir period basically after the late 50s if, you, if, if it's a film noir you call it a neo-noir but really eventually when we talk about like new hollywood and the 70s it's really just it's it, it's this kind of thing on a much broader scale where you can make movies that are downbeat movies that show the real corruption and complications of the world chinatown obviously is, is the perfect example of a new Hollywood movie that that's also in fact he gets the same job that Ralph Meeker has, right? He just takes pictures of uh people cheating on their wives and husbands, right? And sells them, but, you know, he's not even doing it. He's not even a detective in a in a noble sense. Well it's funny know?
0: because like anytime you do a neo noir at this point, like it either has to be a period film and so but then they're generally a PI or something by default there, or they're just straight up an you know an anti-hero slash villain. Think of like Jake Gyllenhaal and Nightcrawler. Like they're just they're never <laughs> there's not there's no like, you know, there's no one that's like Walter Neff in a neo noir these days. It's like ah, I could go either way.
3: I want to be good, but what if I did this? Like that's rarely a yeah. thing when it comes along.
0: Well, Walter no, Neff,
3: a little bit of a of an idiot, and yeah, people don't. Allow that. You're not allowed to write a character that's an idiot anymore. That's the lead. Not not today that. for
0: sure. You get you know early <gasps> '90s. You can still get that a little bit. You get what you just watched. Um, palmetto uh Paul Palmet, Palmetto's a good example. What's it? The last seduction with uh with gosh. God. With, uh, I mean, obviously Fiorentino's guiding that film along, but who's the guy? It's it's what's his name? It's um your director, Berg. right? Bill Pullman? Peter Burke. Pol- Peter Burke, the director. Wait, Peter Burke, yeah, he's, he's he's like a oh. doofus in that
3: <laughs> Bill Pullman is like the ex-husband who's trying to get oh, right, right, right. He, He's playing Sorry, typical Bill Pullman in the 90s role.
0: Ex-husband, ex-boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> like, guy that's then not in, quite getting day, along he's Like, here. Fuck you,
2: I'm gonna save the world. You like me now, you sons of bitches.
0: Again, uh, if, but again, if, it, but if, it's a, if it's a period film, if it's L.A. Confidential or if it's Double in the Blue Dress, they're PIs. Like that's, that's the only that's the route you take.
3: But if you think about most movies, most movies will now have not maybe not most maybe not the Marvel movies, but most movies will have a certain element of moral uncertainty in them. Sure, yeah, and that's really just an effect of of, of this period. Like you couldn't hold back the time. It's also a big the, the stuff that we're seeing in film noir, obviously has. It's also a big influx of European directors like Billy Wilder and bringing their sort of old world, bad vibes with them. especially being chased out of world war, out of Germany by Hitler or Austria by Hitler. I guess the directors that do get it
0: that are informed by this and do it their own way is like Tarantino or the Coens where they have idiots at the center of their movies. They have Travolta mm-hmm. in Pulp Fiction or they have uh, what's his face in blood simple, um, <laughs> Uh, everyone in burn after reading everyone, <laughs> <laughs> everyone, <burn> reading. <laughs> or the or even the dude to a very extent. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. The
3: other thing. Is Tarantino is, is just seeing that post world. I don't know if he makes noir. Movies no, I wouldn't too. say. I wouldn't necessarily yeah.
0: say he's making noir. But he's ser- but his influences are very clear. Like he's of yeah. taking B crime dramas from the fifties, among other things, and yeah. incorporating those kind of characteristics. You look at like the the Butch segment in Pulp Fiction, and you can see that as as a sequel
3: to the 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 uh, the setup. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so curious to you why. What was it that made these movies popular and successful that were that are so openly cynical and fatalistic? How did that? Why was that a strain? Because I I think
0: I, there's varying reasons, but I I think no. because the western was so popular, you the have something that it's the yeah. exactly it's an alternative yeah. choice that digs into stuff that's grounded ish because it's set now and it deals with like shadier people, and it just feels. It, I don't I think it feels like riveting to see something like that on a big screen because you're watching this like this, you know, grimy B movie as opposed to the latest John Wayne Western. Like there's just something there. I think that well, also
3: also it was in Anthony Mann's movie, this, uh, the Naked Spur from about four years before this. And that's a western with Jimmy Stewart, very noirish, psychological, bloody. Well, there's plenty western. of western noir. I mean, you have. yeah, well, like, yeah so, you're getting so, the, you're so, starting so to get
2: the deconstructionist westerns. Sure. Like westerns in are that
3: westerns. set in the old west, but a noir can be said anywhere.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, i, I westerns, Do not
1: Do you know. think? Well, I was going to say, do you think too, like the 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 '70s filmmakers we all love and stuff, and like loving these movies and being influ- the people influenced? Do you think at the time and their age range that? these were like you know adult movies that they really wanted to see because they were for adults or they were the ones they could sneak and see something they weren't that's why they were so attractive to such a a uh you
3: probably saw these movies on public television you know and in the theater but I make sure
4: that
0: and plus these are like double bills right so these would be the b- movies that play next for a lot of these things right well yeah
2: and right. in terms of commercial consumer appeal I mean putting aside the politics and the socio-economic whatever I mean these were films that were dirty and scuzzy and had hot women being sexy and brutal violence and just from a certain taboo era you know if you wanted stuff that was somewhat, subversive and just extreme content. This was probably the closest you were going to get outside of outright mm-hmm. horror pictures. And that's
0: when you're referencing just the like the ultimate oh, sure. B versions of these movies, right? There are yeah. you know it's not like the, the you know the key ones didn't have you know big stars in them. What you know having yeah, having, 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 sure. ha- having you know yeah, like, multifactors
3: and a an picture exactly or, ha- having, yeah. having
0: Bogart having Cagney having Ed Robinson like I <laughs> Mark- Cagnes, Mar- see, those, are
3: those are gangster movies. Those don't really count as noirs because those are in a Cagney or Robertson or Robinson movie, they're the bad guy. There's a good guy. The good guy survives. They die. Yeah. So some of them skirt the line no, where it's
0: like it's more of a crime gangster movie as opposed to a straight up film noir. But like,
3: but just it, evolved it, after the code. The smart, the smarts of the filmmakers evolved, and you could, if, you, if crime has to pay, it doesn't mean you can't tell a story about a tragic figure who gets involved in crime, yeah. has to pay for it in a way that reminds you of the way everybody has to pay in life for smaller things. Well, there, I there, just there, wonder what made it. Because you talk about the taboo things that, that Scott was talking about, the things that are sort of in these movies that these movies offered. The biggest taboo to me is still the, the, the existential downerism of so many of them. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's not appealing yeah. Even to us, why is it appealing to anybody to see something that is so sort of stares into the moral abyss a bit and is not comforting? Yeah, it's but, funny that those, that those are also appealing. And that's why noir is so addictive because it's like, yeah. what, what in the mainstream was causing this kind of depression almost? You know? certainly a reflection
0: and, of the times obviously as well.
1: Yancy brought up a really good point here that like, you know, the gangster movies not being noir movies, it's almost there's a there's a people that that aren't in the know or from a side want to sound like an expert. Like like not all Italian films, horror films are jello, Um right. but they see like oh well it's black and white check guys are wearing from hats from this era. Oh. Yep guys wearing hats pinstripe suits
0: it's a, a crime has happened there's a lot yeah. of blinds all over the place. Yep, <laughs> it's noir. Like, real, that's real, what, real I started, qu- yeah. Real quick, because I I'll dare to talk about something happening on screen. Uh, this <laughs> this is what counts as an action set set piece right here. I really like yeah. this this little foot chase. Oh, this is chase, excellent. Chase. It's, yeah, it's like a slow chase. But I like the details that lead up to this. Right, Meeker he clocks Pop the guy that, in the face! he clocks oh, the guy salt. that's following him behind, and he prepares. Right, he prepares the way he can because for yeah. whatever reason, this my camera does not use a gun, which is. Absurd for a gun. in this kind of movie. He doesn't use a gun at all in this movie, which is um, uh, hilarious. You, when you look at the you, know, some you of have the cannons. Arts. Yeah, got cannons. <laughs> Why yeah, bring a gun? He's the reverse of Bogart, who's always holding like two pistols and never uses a big, uses one once, maybe. In a,
2: but on the, but anyway, yeah. he You he, just got nailed he, by the hammer. Exactly. <laughs> well, he just got.
3: Beating to death
2: by bashing his head against a wall.
3: And there was a quick shot in there of Mike Hammer or or of uh, Ralph Maker kind of grunting as he's doing it. That is so noir to have a moment of someone looking like they're getting off on beating someone to death. You see that in so many noirs, that moment of sadism. It's the exorcist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this this was
2: the the, the smile (laughs) that sort of reminded me of Connery. Good stuff. I started thinking of Oh
3: yeah, for sure. This is, this yeah. is a this is only a bond moment we right wanted there. From him, but we didn't mind that dark streak of not gonna guide them. the
1: po- the power of hammer compels you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like
2: this well, version I, where there's
0: one liners every two seconds.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, he really is too legit to quit. That's kind of a running scene.
0: But there, but that is a good bit as far as he prepares for himself because he doesn't. Crime have a story, you get grab, no glory. He's gonna grab popcorn. He's gonna like look in the mirrors, know where he is at beat this guy up all the way to another part of LA because they're filmed in two different locations where that fight happened.
1: I just love that popcorn <laughs> in the face works. Like it's a, like I mean, acid. It's
0: supr- um,
3: I mean, it's surprising. It's I wouldn't want to get it's salty and buttery. For
0: one thing, it it's, stings. Fra- it's, it's made on the street, so it's hot popcorn. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> doesn't leave a movie at the beginning of that. So you're just
3: eating it,
1: popcorn, right? It's that oily butter 1955. Yeah, it's great shot right
0: was. there.
3: Yep. I learned things by watching. I learned by watching this that back then they used to keep their registration on the on the, on the the gear, shit. you know, it has his registration wrapped around his steering wheel, and that's how mm. Clarence Leach knows his name. I'm like, oh, I guess that's how they used to do that. Yeah. Ah, have, I don't think they have glove boxes back then. It's, so a, weird, so
1: like... it's a weird Roku box on top of the TV.
2: Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> early James Franco performance. <laughs> yes, yes, put <laughs> on
0: some weight. <laughs> brandon when did you
2: first see kiss
1: me Deadly"? as, as johan estevez yeah James <laughs> oh i first I, so i'm i'm i guess in comparison i'm relatively newbie to this because i saw it for the first time probably in the last 10 years um I was a late bloomer to the kiss me deadly game so um but yeah no it was really uh like hooked me um and i i it felt further ahead than its <laughs> contemporaries when I first saw it and like I, I've said before the pace and just the extravagance like I, we talked about like some of the filmmakers it's influenced but there's you know being a purveyor Uh, just recent watch when I did before this uh, being a purveyor of you know the Italian horror directors like Fulci and uh, Martino Argento uh, I feel like they by some of the some of the characters in this feel like they could be out of some of those uh, giallo or horror movies, or some of the um police procedurals, I can't pull the Chetty um genre where like the side characters are like you know big and alive, like the mechanic in this one, and some of the other people yeah. as well feel like that's they feel like they watch an American film and that's what they point out of it, like oh, you do this, this, and this. And because I always you know love uh non US territories seeing what they pull from certain movies they're trying to knock off or what they they say is influenced. Like, oh, because they, they see it differently. They tell it differently. And that's the beauty of film across the globe.
0: But it, it really is. And I miss the time when that was an admirable quality where you can look at people that admire the fact that they're taking different things and presenting different ways. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just being like, this guy's ripping him off. You should see this instead. Where it's more like, they're all complimenting each other. It's not yeah. like these guys are making movies to be like, I want to spite this director that I took from. They like yeah. wanna, they want to make something Why? that represents their vision
3: that they enjoy. Like you know, think about it. Like you, you look back and you start. The people are starting to do the work now and finding noirish movies in Mexican cinema. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, in French cinema, there are movies that feel like noir back then. Even Kurosawa has Stray Dog and Drunken Angel, which yep. are, I mean, Stray Dog is a guy who loses his gun. The Sherman Fuddy loses his yeah, gun. Kurosawa loved Westerns. <laughs> he made his movies. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he must have seen, Kurosawa probably saw The Maltese Falcon, and this is, of course, being a Japanese guy right to two years after the end of this war, but I wonder how much of that was just in the air and how much of it was him specifically wanting to do. Obviously, you know, Jimbo is Red Harvest, right? And. Um, that's Dashiell Hammond and which also reminds me that some of these, not uh, some of these uh, stories, date back to the Depression, which makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. if, if, if this material was first emerging in American culture during such a hard, hard-ass time. The people were ready. That that explains the fatalism to me a little more. I wouldn't mind reading a story about a crook who's gonna 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 go down at the end. If I was like driving across the country with my you know the Okies or whatever. Well, that's why I find it interesting because you have
0: these yeah you have short stories or novels or what have you that are based off of authors writing from their experiences which are before some of these great wars in some cases. And then you have these movies in the fifties in this post war era in a time where you know like American conservatism and what have you were taking hold. And it's like, are we? what What is that about where you're calling? and that's what you're asking earlier, right? So I was like, what are we calling back to? are we are we actually feeling this way again as if it were the bleak times uh, through the depression or before you know around some of these wars? are we trying to make a connection here that relates this time
3: to the era or what? And it's, yeah, well, it's well, as tumultuous an era as that was. Maybe not nuclear bomb, <laughs> existential, but definitely definitely a crazy era we're living through and I'm so far, I'm not seeing. I don't, think, I don't think art is as sort of unified as it was in, in the 50s. I don't think we're going to see these big movements, organic movements like film noir. I wish we would, but it seems like escapism is sort of more the, the taste of it. Like it's just so horrible that people just don't even want to think about it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> and you know, it's <laughs> funny. Uh, we were talking about, you said the, the novel stuff that these were, you know, yeah, they're, they're mostly based off novels, but they're based off of novels that people consider junk like they were like trashy like detective yeah whatever it's and Sunday they Saturday. became legendary like we're doing a commentary on Kiss Me Deadly and i'm sure that novel while heralded if you read back because it strives from this movie was probably just a just a grocery stand novel even uh-huh. uh, if even that quality back then cuz they would crank these suckers out like crazy and there's probably a ton of these things that have been lost to time and forgotten but only the ones we know are preserved because they have these movies made, and the movie is probably better than the novels.
0: So now we're introducing, um, mm-hmm. it's very the, James the, Bond the, scene, the, the femme fatale of the film. <laughs> um,
3: I forget the actress's name. This Who was uh, Bab- what's her name? Do we know? I, I
0: um, uh, um, Lily, Lily, uh, no, it, that Lily's, um, Oh, yeah, it's Lily, yeah Lily Carver, right? That's the...
3: She's obviously... she. I think it isn't... Uh, Gene Seberg and Breathless is basically dressed just like this. The most famous Godard movie, um, you mm-hmm. know, with the Longo and her. I think she's dressed ex- almost exactly with a short blonde haircut yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. That's a direct reference that, that kickstart... And Breathless is almost the movie that kickstarts the new wave and makes it so cool, you know? The, the same sort of image that's a much lighter movie than this in a lot of ways. So this is uh, Gabby Rogers... And um, yeah, I mean, she,
0: she'll be revealed as the kind of the, the basically the femme fit. I mean, she already, you already can kind of any character that's introduced a woman on a bed holding a gun at the hero, probably the the yeah. The movie. But, Which, um...
1: the fir- the first <laughs> one we meet is all she's wearing a trench coat. And here we have all she's wearing is a robe. Yeah, there's similar a, there's,
0: hair. Every, yeah, there's, there's a, a there's a mirroring quality to this. And the, I, later on, she'll be out in the street in just that robe as well. Just like Laura's right. Lee on the street.
3: There are a lot of really strong female roles in this movie it's true whoever was saying it was a feminist movie it certainly has a lot of memorable women in it you know I mean, like, I mean they got
0: they the story's guided by what they're i mean you know mike hammer is going through the the actions here but like the plots unfolding because of these characters actions also notable like based off the rhythm of this movie and even within the time uh lily and um of course like she's probably she's very likely a, a lesbian character which is you know
3: not a yeah. not, if a, I recall, not she a common was more thing specifically
2: written as a lesbian in
3: initial drafts, but i could be mistaken but that's i mean in the book i'm sure but she wouldn't be allowed to be in wouldn't be yeah, allowed yeah. to
0: pronounce yeah. it but i mean given the and that that's not being stereotypical just in terms of what yeah. the directors are going for to have a short haircut like this the way she presents herself i mean that's what they that's what they're going for with this with you know the, the presence of her here
3: and yet jean Seberg is not she's totally sexualized sort of hetero and, and breathless with the same look mm-hmm. which is interesting well the French yeah. uh, good job that's a great shot though
0: so I first saw this movie in college as well I saw it in my film noir class uh, that I had which was a wonderful class I think I had an ex-journalist Italian older Italian woman who just saw all these different movies um, and I, like at that point in my film watching days I've already like Universal was like releasing, you know, things like Touch of Evil and D- Double Indemnity on DVD and I had those and I was like, this is cool. I'm getting to see like some of the older movies that I hadn't already seen. grown up, know, like, I saw most of those
3: for the first time too. Yeah,
0: yeah like having grown up on like Hitchcock movies like cool, there's, I can see more of these now because they're putting these out. So I saw Kiss Me Deadly projected on our, we had like a lecture hall so it was projected on a screen. So it was like seeing it in a theater essentially. So and mm-hmm. I was very happy about that. Yeah, and, Yeah, this movie really worked for me Especially like, I was already drawn into space off of how different it felt from other noir. But we get to this point later on in the movie where it just kicked up a notch because I knew nothing about this. I didn't know like even the Pulp Fiction kind of connection or what have you. So when you reveal that there's like some kind of crazy thing at the end of the you know the McGuff when the McGuffin comes out. Great, what's it I'm like? What the fuck just happened? Like, it was like, <laughs> yeah, it, I imagine. Ramp- it ramps up. Like, and I remember when it happened because it was a silent like lecture hall. We're all watching this movie in the class, and there were gasps because <laughs> it's like nobody saw this thing coming, and it was pretty crazy. I was like, this is probably what it felt like in a theater to watch this movie for the first time. So I was really—I've always been a, I've yeah, always the been uh, a fan Dom
1: Draper, of- Planet of the Apes.
0: Exactly. It's the exactly. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> God, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great moment in that show. With, Was with he doing? Right, yeah. With him and his son are watching Planet of the Apes in the theater. Oh, and my he's God. he's just yeah.
1: like going to see like he's ah uh, some kids movie, you know, some kids movie yeah. attitude, and then he sees the end. And he's like, and
0: yeah. the, and and his son's <laughs> like, his son's stunned also. And then what? I think yeah. At the end, even like, can we see it again? I think or something like that, right? Like, it's, it's one
1: of the best bits of acting I've ever seen. Is that and uh, it's a meme now, <laughs> but I mean, it's just it's, it's incredible. It is. Oh, it's a meme. Well,
0: but, yeah. but yeah, so I've always been a fan of said seeing it. I've always been a fan of Kiss Me Deadly. It is one that really sticks out to me as far as noir goes. Vavoom's back. This is he's so fun. So <laughs> like we, the we, energy we of this guy is great.
1: We didn't have a noir class. I, I was a section of a genres class, and I only we watched we watched Maltese Falcon, of course. Uh, Chinatown was in there because um, he wanted to show uh-huh. post. Oh, there's a couple others in there. Yeah, see, so yeah, I, I want I think to maybe. I went to UC Santa Barbara and
0: they have a good film program there. So they had a lot of different kinds of film classes. Scott Frank's a graduate of the UCSB film program. He gets some great cars in this What He has first, he has that Jaguar. He's got this, what, this MG. Mm -hmm. And then um, we'll get to the Chevrolet eventually. I like the, the, yeah, the bomb. It's sticks of dynamite with a string on it. <laughs>
1: like, well, they were probably
0: connected to something. Yeah, probably something important. That's how bombs work. That is how bombs work. I like how casual they are about this. they just get back at the car? like, oh, that's wild. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess we keep driving.
1: What do you know? Right. Well, this uh, the novel was what in New York, and they like completely revamped yeah. it to an LA movie. Like they just figured they couldn't fake it
0: right why well, try um, it's, it's a b movie it's cheap it's hollywood yeah, it's yeah look
1: it. so this is regular driving but it feels like yeah. oh jeez
0: this is my favorite this is one of my favorite shots <laughs> in a movie anytime you have a, a camera placed on the trunk of the car filming mm-hmm. in front i love that shot i love seeing it i love seeing it in modern movies because that's a thing that a director had to ask for it's not something they can just casually do right so it's like oh they actually put effort into this because they they wanted Lana to make noir. a shot
3: a lot of noir has that element of shot mm-hmm. on real streets mm-hmm. uh, some of the great element of noir they always seem to be shot in san francisco or la you know well that so makes some good.
0: great time capsule
3: movies like this is shot in yeah. what um bunker
0: hill in la like uh, downtown areas and there's a lot of stuff that i mean a lot of it's just not there anymore but certainly gives you a perspective of what la looked like in 1955 yeah if i
2: recall that was that place was on the verge of demolition is that right hmm. okay oh, never mind <laughs> i mean I'm, i, I would not be surprised
0: i mean um I mean, you know, Hollywood was demolished a number of times before we came out yeah, yeah. um, this. like, where... I'm sorry, it, I'm looking at the smoke in the background. Well, this this quieter period that we have here is just, like, character work. <laughs> like, it's just, like, what's Mike all about? And he's going to kind of get a chance to relate. All right. All um, right.
2: Is it on, and I, I, I'm not an expert then, real, I'm, I'm sorry, this is, ahead, rare, this,
0: this is the rare time that we're not following Mike. We just get a, a, a few scenes with not Mike so we can follow his friend who's going, and it's only because we need to establish it more because it's going to be a tragic end soon. But I do find it interesting. We really don't get much time away from our hero with like, I think maybe this is the exception. Like there's maybe
2: one or two scenes that don't have Mike Must involved. be. Um, No, I'm wondering if if this, even back then, if this film was an exception in terms of having, you know, a handful of non-stereotypical not-white characters in major supporting roles, because it certainly feels eclectic in that sense, uh, in a way that, I don't know, I'm curious if it stood out at the time or not. But anyway, I,
0: I mean, it reflects how things still are As far as, yeah, you know, the cheaper well the, the, well, the cheaper the movie is, the less care you have to have About who's on screen all the time, right? That is true From some mm-hmm. perspectives, I know that's not Yeah, yeah. well,
2: that's why, you know, you and I have both talked about One of the reasons that horror, you know, is weirdly more progressive Than a lot of other genres Is it's cheaper, so you can focus on Non-white protagonists And, you know, the poor Yeah <laughs> 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 um,
1: I have a great bit of trivia here. Um, Sure. So, Ralph Meeker. Got it. His final film. The guy in this movie. um, Thank you. (laughs) His his final film uh, was Without Warning. Do you know what that one is?
3: Yeah, I do. It's like
1: the alien slasher movie that was shot by Dean Cundey and (laughs) has Jack Palance and Martin Landau in it. Uh, It goes lost for many years to, like, Shop Factory put it out. But that movie... That's directed by Graydon Clark. Graydon Clark, who did uh a triplet of Joe Don Baker's finest with Wacko, Joysticks, and Final Justice. But his last uh directing jobs was on Mike Hammer, Private Eye. Oh, really? Starring it was two episodes, starring Stacy Keach as Mike I, Hammer. I
3: remember that show. I was a little kid, My fascinating. Was-
1: and Peter Jason as Captain Skip Gleason. John Carpenter's Peter Jason? Yes. Yeah. That, did that air the, the early 80s? The guy that, and not yeah. Meatloaf, Peter show. Jason. I always think Peter Jason looks like Meatloaf. He,
3: doesn't look meatloaf. he does. He very much looks such like He to a crowded bar and Peter Jason walked in and I pointed at him and said, oh my God, it's Peter Jason. And the guy I was with pushed my arm down and said, stop that. And I was like, really? Do you really think Peter Jason gets that enough that he would want me to not do that? when we walk into a bar. <laughs> he doesn't want guys pointing and going, Oh my God, it's that guy. I love him. Peter
1: Jason probably go home with you if you did that, yeah.
3: I was told that I was
1: being uh, making a scene
3: of myself. I'm like, come
1: on, that's the guy from all the carpenter movies. Oh, that's <laughs> the that's the 90s hey, but, but he gets that and he's like, Why is it always the old white dudes that do this, not the wasn't <laughs> old young yet. ladies or something? <laughs> By, yeah, well, the young well, ladies.
0: My camera private eye, that's the nineties show. There was another nineteen ninety-seven, yeah. Yeah, because there's a there's the new my camera, that was the eighties show. With with, also with Stacy Keach.
1: <laughs> Kee- yeah, he's on the. Oh, he was Stacey the Columbo of,
0: of Mickey Spillane. Apparently, he just yeah. came back whenever he wanted to. <laughs> Has anyone seen any other like uh Mike Hammer
3: films or? Ch- I get the answer you say you <sighs> Murder yourself, My Sweet knows. is, Mike Hammer, is that, from the, when you're talking about them releasing those film noirs in that in that mid two thousand era. That was one of the ones in the first noir Warner Brothers box that had out Which of one? the past. It's called Murder My Sweet. Edward Demetrius movie was. With Dick's Dick, what's it? Dick Powell. I think that's a my camera movie. By the way, there we go. Who's that on screen? That it's Martin. Yeah. Famous for most well, I usually saw the Paul Newman thing. What we have here is a What, is it, what we have here is a uh, failure, failure to, to communicate. Yeah. Also famous to me for his line at the beginning of Up and Smoke. You gotta go to get a goddamn job or sending me off to military school with a goddamn Finkelstein shit kid. Son of a bitch. He plays Chong's father. <laughs> He's also in the <laughs> wild. Uh, he's one of the, and one of the and in switch casting and Sundance, game, yeah. one of the greatest uh, character actors, right there. Strother Martin,
0: uh, one of the best names of an actor, too. Strother Martin, that's great. Uh, <laughs>
3: four, 40
1: years ago this year, um, Armand Asante played Mike Hammer in I, the I'm Jury, sure. yeah.
3: That. Whose movie is that? That
1: somebody ba- Barbara Carrera, uh, Richard T. Heffron. Hmm. Uh, yeah. It's the, the second time they made. Paul Sorvino was Paul Sorvino was Detective Pat Chambers in that
3: one. There's a movie where Mike Hammer plays, uh, where Mickey Spillane plays Mike Hammer, which I've never seen. Called like the Girl Hunters or something. I'm the totally Girl Hunters. I'm Hunters Girl Hunters with yeah. uh, Shirley Eaton. Is that what it is? Yeah. Isn't it is. isn't Mickey yeah. Spillane? He, he is yeah.
0: Mickey Spillane as Mike Hammer. Yes. Yeah. My friend Robert's a big fan of that movie. I haven't heard the. Be- I haven't seen any of the uh, Mike Hammer films. I haven't heard the best things about any of them, honestly, besides this one. The Hammerverse.
3: Oh, there's oh, oh, also Philip Marlowe. That, maybe that's maybe that's who Murder My Sweet is.
0: Yeah, because I'm not saying Murder My Sweet here on there's Hammer list. list. There's there's oh. a there's a murder me murder you.
1: There was there was a the, another adaptation of I the Jury two years before this, um, directed by Harry Essex with Biff Elliott as Mike Hammer.
3: I think there was a Philip Marlowe show with Powers Booth. I'd be surprised. <laughs> anyway, those are the two guys. I think Philip Marlowe is the multi Falcon, right? That like if you have Stacy Keach as one, you have to have
0: Powers Booth as the other. That just makes yeah. sense to me.
3: So
0: that's why it's always a trip watching um Sin City, because it has both Stacy Keach and Powers Booth involved.
3: It does, it's strange. And you also get the more diverse cast because I think that's part of the detective genre. You always have all these different sort of informants from different strata of life but I think a movie like this was allowed to get away with all sorts of stuff because no one cared no one thought you know if you're a giant John Crawford movie they probably were going through with a fine tooth comb to make sure you weren't doing anything subversive well here's so, the, other, mm-hmm. here's the yeah. other thing this is an early Robert Aldrich film
0: but he got to do like he had a he was contractually allowed to do like whatever he wanted in this movie really? I, I don't know true. how they changed the ending on him that's a weird development um, as far as things go but yeah it's he like
3: mystery nobody knows what happened and because the change made it more extreme not less extreme yeah. somebody just popped that that footage off for some reason yeah but this man is, that
0: aldrich is a
3: dark
1: dark man
0: but yeah this is his fifth movie i mean it's it's not and he'd go on to make like Jesus like 20 more movies like but is early for for Aldrich's for sure and yeah he they had worked back control. then <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like I but, saw like I saw in the trivia that it's like this movie took three weeks to make it's like it took that long like so.
1: but I mean it, it's also it's also easier I mean they were working their schedules back then I mean they would work at like a normal job like yeah, it was for sure. nine to five ish and the, the night shoots were rarer the, I mean they were i they're necessary not precious evil about
0: it it's, it's a job yeah
1: and now it's like insanity with the schedules you can't you know you could have your nine to five and be in the film industry you can't do that really much
3: anymore yancy
0: what are your thoughts on robert aldrich as the
3: director he's good i always confuse him with uh who directed the great escape john sturgis, sturgis. i always think oh yeah,
1: sturgis, guys yeah
3: guys for some reason and i think of the two robert aldrich is much more interesting um, I would agree. Yeah, he'd done a movie Attack before this, a great war movie with Rick Jack uh, Palance and Eddie Albert called Attack, which I love. He has Apache of Burt Lancaster, which is
0: probably mm. aged very well.
3: <laughs> uh, and after this, he's got, what, the
0: Dirty Dozen and uh, um, Flight of the Phoenix, Longest Yard, whatever I mean, happened to Baby Jane, Jane drama, obviously. <laughs> Vera, <laughs> Cruz uh, right
1: Vera, Vera Cruz was
3: right after. The killing of, what's it called? The killing of Sister Georgie, I think it's called one of the first sort of movies to deal with like a lesbian mm-hmm. affair head on. Um, I forgot uh, that he did the Frisco kid. <laughs> that just, just, came, that just came out me. on Blu-ray.
0: I forgot that he was the director.
3: <laughs> and then all the marbles, is that his last movie? That's his last movie, yeah. All thing. He's really good. You know, this I think is by far his most artful, intentionally artful movie, like, you know, he, he, he's sort of more of a really strong journeyman.
0: Um, he's a very, yeah, journeyman's, a, I mean, obviously applies. This to is him, the
3: but, work of someone who knows how to make a really, uh, a, 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 a tour movie if he needs to. Because this just, movie, you know, is, is. I'm not going to undercredit
0: some of these other credits that he has here as far as what he's bringing to them, though. I do like something like The Dirty Dozen could be more, more straightforward than it actually is when you look at, like, what the Jack's is as far as having these men do the mission that they have to eventually do.
3: Did he directed a movie called, Did he direct The Big Knife with Jack Collins?
0: Yes. That's, another that's, that's right after this one.
3: That's a great hit with Jack Collins as a movie star and Rod Steiger. Very noir uh, movie. Two wimps. <laughs> 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 Legendary
0: scrawny guys.
3: <laughs> if you ever see that movie, it's it, it's hard to imagine. And I hate to say this. I don't know, Jack, Collins is, Jack Collins is such a strange looking man, but that's a period where he was being pushed as really hot. <laughs> like in The Big Knife, He's you know he's supposed to be this really hot famous movie star. Yeah,
0: it's like early Nick Nolte, and you're like, how did this happen?
3: Nolte was really handsome. (laughs) I'm saying,
0: there was this, there was that, before before, like, I don't know, 1994, like, it was like, Nick Nolte, he's, yeah, he's a handsome guy, like, he he was, what, he was like Sexiest Man Alive or something at some point, wasn't he? He was.
3: Nick Nolte Nolte is the is the man who walked into the party uh, with a yellow uh, scarf. It was apricot. You know, the Carly Simon song? Mm-hmm. Your scarf it was apricot. You're so vain. There's one line in the song which is describing the guy and in this case, he's got an apricot scarf and that was actually Nick Nolte. They had Nick Nolte's very sexy. Yeah, something. now he's the guy that stands <laughs> at the, at the, at the it buffet. It was the Hulk. He was that getting arrested when he was in the Hulk, that, the, the headshot. Oh, he said, yeah. hair is all dyed. That did it. And also, he got get really weird with the B vitamins, injecting B vitamins into his ass. I'm like, he weirded everybody out.
1: <laughs> it's they, like bring a violent, dude, you bring you doing some violent spells too.
0: Drunk spells, like something drunk spells, more drunk spells, more. Yeah, he's never, he do he do a, he never stopped being a good actor. I mean, that helps, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> he's still very good at the things that he pops up. In. I mean, in, in Hulk, he is super committed.
1: Like, he is <laughs>
0: well, he's good in what's it? Laurie, um, the, Laurie, the remake Laurie. of Baba Bob Levon Bohr. What's it? The um. The good thief. He's good in that movie. He's good. He's, he great and good, he good He's always good. Was he yeah. nominated for Warrior? I forget. Was he nominated for Warrior? I
2: don't think so. He's
0: great in Warrior. I'm trying to just because I don't think that film got much of. A, I mean, Cape Cape we all Pears, liked Pears, it, but nobody saw it.
3: Prince of Tides. He's great in that period of Cape Fear and the Prince of Tides, Lorenzo's Oil, and that that uh, New oil. Oil. Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah. Sons, Sons of the Lambs is one of my favorite movies, but let's be honest, Nick Nolte should have won Best Actor that year because Anthony Hopkins should have been a Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, yeah.
0: Nolte awesome. Nulty was the... nominated for Warrior, he was.
2: Yeah. Oh, my mistake.
0: Um Nulty's so good that he made Lorenzo's oil work with that accent. That's how good Nolti <laughs> is. <laughs> oh, boy, <he's laughs> Speaking
2: of Nulty, has anyone seen Mahon Falls?
0: Not in Forever. Is that, the, no, is that no, Lee? This is Tama? a movie Lee? that
2: kind of feels the same cloth. Is that that's, uh, that's from
0: uh, Die Another Days, Lee Tamahori, right?
2: Yes, it's a, a 1950s, you know, gumshoe, you know, rogue police film in which an investigation into a murder of a, a young woman played by Jennifer Connelly in flashback uh, ends up being tied to the Manhattan Project. Is it right, good? Related. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, but it's worth watching as a time capsule. I, it was on Tubi one day, and I thought, eh, I'll watch this while I'm doing the dishes. It, yeah, um, it,
1: that's,
0: all, that's one that's always See, like,
1: that's, uh, a, that's on 2B Aaron, just so you, you know.
0: Okay, good to know. That's all. That's one yeah, it's always felt like a, a like Hollywood land or Black Dolly, where it's yeah, like, well, the idea is like there, a, it's just it's not like, a good
3: yeah. movie. <laughs> like, it's like a um, you have to be able to stomach watching John Malkovich and Jennifer Connelly uh, have sex. <laughs> the
2: there, well, there's a character we're about. Well, we've already met him, but the 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 basically the main villain who's isn't in this all that much, but this guy. Yeah, the white shirt is basically the Malkovich character. The Caro sense. Avello, yeah, another great it, actor who's like just
3: Dexulme. you guys recognize you know, him from
2: like the '80s. Yeah, he's clearly evil, but he's also sort of nonchalant, and you know, it's it's.
3: But it's, he's very
1: like this guy gets knocked off like a ton. like he's in the Biglebowski. Yeah. He's the porn. He's the porn director guy in Big Lebowski. Yeah. He's he appears in so many movies. This this type, this look, this, this, this attitude.
3: Let me say this must have been one of the first appearances of an eyes on the cross shirt in a movie. Yes, right, right. Right. <laughs> right. Right, right. like 51 ah. 52 and they got the smoothie wearing one in this. His yeah. two. Um,
2: and his thanks to this movie, I've been wearing golf shirts for twenty five years. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. this
1: this very scene right here is gonna come up in film history over and over and over. And I can't think of a noir that has this type of guy. And yeah, the kind you of know, because the... we have the scenes with the oh, all right, you. But this this is this is in Big Lebowski. This very scene. Uh, yeah Yeah. well i think one
2: thing that's that stuck out to me at least you know when i saw this film is that all the all the supporting characters are really colorful Mm -hmm. in ways both cartoonish and creepy sometimes at the same time
1: that's what i'm saying the heightened yeah yeah yeah, like everybody hammers straight the the females they cross they, they they go over yeah they're they in hysterics and stuff but like yeah, the only one that's
0: grounded is Velda, his secretary. She's doing yeah. like yeah. normal. She's doing it in this movie in general. She almost seems like the only normal person in time. Yeah. yeah. And it's.
2: Town is sort full of, of
1: crazy people.
0: Yeah.
2: That's sort of what creates this weird feeling of almost fantasy.
3: In that's that. one of the elements of it. I forget yeah. where I thought, but someone, there's six elements. There's basically like six elements that sort of make up film noir. And a dreamlike quality is one. Cruelty is another. Eroticism is a third. There's like six of them, and no movie has all six, but. Well, there's Someone
1: the can... uh the you know underground uh, whatever in paradise like crappy things happening.
0: Uh, I assume, I assume and, Roger Rabbit has all six. And
1: that's why most of them get <laughs> L.A. as a setting is because oh it's sunny right. and nice outside. Right. This guy stare like he is like it's secretly
0: the, stealing your soul while the, you're in a conversation. It's yeah, the eyebrows. There's Angel Flight.
1: But true, they get a uh, glisten. They get a glisten from his eyes that just is ooh creepy.
0: I
2: love that even though it's you know on location and perfectly normal in this scenario, the monorail looks kind of creepy. Yeah. Well, because like,
1: somebody's gonna jump out and roll down the stairs to get rid of a, a yeah, Zuzu demon.
2: So exactly.
0: You keep saying so that's, that's across, it's the the is. <laughs>
1: it's across the country. It is across the country. it reminds me of it, but
2: that, that's not going to happen. No, <laughs> I know.
1: It now. reminds me of it though, like it's the way they shoot the it.
2: Oh yeah, but,
1: yeah. Um, I I'm aware that one's Baltimore, one is yeah.
0: I like how it, it, it this movie kind of highlights the verticality of LA. You don't really get that very often. Right. You generally, you get like San Francisco, obviously, or you know any number of. You know, skyscraper cities. L.A. is not really that. L.A. is flat and spread out, you know, <laughs> this one. You get a lot yeah. of...
3: I'm uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Darren.
0: I'm just saying, you, you just get a lot of interesting topography of L.A., which is not always something that's emphasized, especially in something like this, because movies like this are generally set in New York or something like that, but you have these L.A. versions where you can, you can play with the surroundings because in the midst of darkness or what have you. you also have palm trees and beaches and sunshine but also like there are buildings there are stairs there are you know elements that raise and whatnot which yeah. gives a level of awareness to the character as far as how high they're standing what are you going to say Nancy? I'm sorry
3: oh I, 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 I don't remember what I'm saying <laughs> sorry I didn't I <laughs> thing. might have been something about whatever it is that uh, Beaker's got in his hair like, what did guys wear in their hair in 1955? Like, Pomade, Rust. whatever.
1: There's grease,
0: Just, rice milk.
3: But a, his <laughs> is rather dry compared, but yeah,
0: it's been a Meeker, long
3: day. Meeker's one of the three guys in Has a Glory, right? He gets, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, which is also kind of a noir movie, uh, even though it's not a noir, it has that same bleak looks looking straight at the, the abyss of these guys having to die the next day.
0: Yeah, it's this, I mean, being an anti war movie, it has a. It has things that rub against, I can see that.
3: what else Meeker did. He's in the great the dirty dozen too. He's got a big part of the Dirty Dozen, yeah. I think, Ralph Meeker.
0: He's the, the captain.
3: Which is a great movie too. Aldrich. I don't know. You think that modern audiences would not be able to take to cotton to this because it's too slow or too. No, I think it moves. Yeah, and, but, it's,
1: and it's in the, like the side characters, like we were talking with the heightened theatrics, help it play. I think this one would play good to a uh, modern audience compared to others. I
2: think it, anyone who chooses to watch this movie with at least some awareness of when it was made and what it is will be fine with it. Yeah, it's the
1: kind There's of the, a sect um, of people you're never going to win with, for that's sure. The, yeah, it, exactly, and part you know, of it is
0: it's and it, this is shallow, but the buy in is the fact that it's a black and white movie. Like, I mean, that's yeah. And it's, you know, not a stylized take on a black and white. It's not, you know, the 2012 movie that's shot in black and white to make yeah. it look neat. It's a movie it's that's... It's
4: all that it is. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's yeah. and but I it's mean, a- it's not like this is new. This would have been... Some- somebody in the 80s would have been like, I don't want to watch that old movie. Yeah, I don't it's, a, it's but an we an just now movie can, to them. We get to see all their opinions in text <laughs> form nowadays. So I... I think the,
0: the counter is that this movie starts so strikingly by having, you know, Cloris Leachman running out in the middle panicked. It's like, well, that's a good way to get, you know, grasp somebody from the get-go. So yes, like Brandon, you just like, if anyone that's, or Scott, like, if it, whoever's seeking, you know, sits down and says, I'm going to put this on, I don't think they would be thrown off <laughs> by doing that.
1: I think it would take him a, a good while to f- start fading, but by that time, they'd be like, well, I might as well wrap this up. Uh, if oh. they do.
2: I think the first, after that that prologue or pre-title sequence or whatever you want to call it, the film's a little slow to get going because the protagonist isn't all that.
3: But what he's doing while it's slow to get going is fascinating. It's not more. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But I mean, in terms oh. of plot, you know, he doesn't really get on the right track until maybe halfway through the movie. Oh yeah, this movie itself is not. Like right now in this movie, I don't
0: necessarily know... What it would need to be accomplishing beyond? Well, he's met a bad guy. It seems there's some mysterious woman hanging around. What's the end goal of this thing? I don't quite know what that is yet because the movie doesn't even introduce like the what's it until like way later on. We just know That's like pop. there's there's creepy people running around. Maybe this woman needs to be safe. I don't know. <laughs>
3: which is an echo of the Big Sleep, of course. I mean yeah, right. Notoriously, not even the screenwriters could explain who did what or who killed this character intentionally. It's just a thicket of, and it's also an L.A. movie. There's a uh, great shot. That, that that Some
0: good shots here as far as like there's somebody watching them? I don't know. What, what does this mean? Like this good angle choices, of yeah. suspense.
2: I mean, the big reveal in terms of, you know, what is or isn't in the suitcase, that's 15 minutes to the end of the film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the, part of Lee, that's why it's such a whammy. It's like, oh, There's still some storytelling left in this picture. This is
0: that mirror (laughs) shot where she runs out into the street and he gets in the car and they go. As far as calling back to the beginning.
1: Cover thing over her. Yeah. Which, what what would that purpose be on that car for that? Like, what is, I'm just wondering. Rain. uh, Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yep, 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 yep,
0: yep. Yeah, you know, you get out of the car, you leave it on the street. Because it
1: doesn't have a top to put on. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Right. makes sense. Gotcha.
3: The movie is almost 70 years old, right? It's funny to think that it doesn't feel... A movie that would be 70 years older than this would feel very, very antiquated. But this, at least to me, it doesn't feel that hopelessly um, out of touch with... What you'd see in a, in a, in a, in
0: a grown-up Keys up. is back <laughs> <laughs> I'd, ar- I'd argue a lot of Noir can feel that way just because it's it's Emphasizing certain kinds of things right It's not emphasizing necessarily The time beyond you know Elements that are impossible not to Replicate whether it's telephones or what have you Oh
3: no they're going to kill them It doesn't do the phony belongs well, I also think cynicism
2: in. ages better than
3: Yeah for sure
2: Specific sincerity
3: Yeah Sure, but also, if people not have necessary, a, optimism. optimism. Uh, yeah. I have a false sense that all old movies are falsely yeah. optimistic. If yeah. yeah. Doing... Every old movie is Frank Capra. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> different, yeah. Nah, Frank Capra. You yeah
2: okay. <laughs> I mean, that's one of my favorite episodes of Friends is where, you know, somebody tells Phoebe to watch It's a Wonderful Life, and she thinks it's horrible, terrible, grim, dark movie that she turned it off before the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is. It's a very dark movie until you get to the last, you know, 10 minutes. That's I, like the point. The
3: I like all that stuff better than the last 10 minutes. I, I'd, yeah. argue,
2: I'd argue that's why
0: Hitchcock stuff stands up so well uh, with yeah. you know, varying ages because exactly the things that he's playing on, it's not about the time that they're coming through. It's about these
3: raw emotions and suspense you know, and things. It I mean, years, years. People still feel the same way. Yeah. You know, it's not the Victorian age.
2: Um, And I think to a certain extent, we were talking about this earlier, and this might be a simplistic way of looking at it, so apologies in advance, but the idea that film noir, or films of this nature, were the people of that era offering a realistic bubble puncturing of the fantasy that was being sold by popular society and pop culture. Um, And that's how they existed and thrived, even as, you know, those in in were everyone else was trying to convince you that America was as strong as it's ever been. Everything's mm-hmm. prosperous. Everything's wonderful. Blah blah blah. And these were the films that were saying, "Yeah, that's a bunch of shit." Uh, and they were written and made by people that had been through hell and back in World War II. Um, so they had that shell shock cynicism, you know, wearing it on their sh- on their sleeve, so to speak. Um, you know, stereotypically speaking, you know, it's it's. You know, these films were the counterpoint to the fantasy, yeah. and because there were so many films being made back then, you know, unassuming B pictures, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, by default, you would have a lot of films like this that were more honest and cynical about their times than you might expect if you thought that everybody was, was, thought they were living in Pleasantville, so to speak, right? Well
3: said.
0: I said the wrong it Nick Dennis, that's the actor. Yeah. Yeah. Who's great and now he's dead and it's sad. Even Ralph Meeker makes it look sad. And he's a guy that pretty much has a stone cold face the whole time. <laughs> it's like he's upset about this.
2: Really? It it drives his it drives him for the rest of the picture. It's well, a rough piece of the film here.
1: On this criterion. Boom. I'll just
0: enter your apartment. this casual relationship he has with his secretary. He'll just walk in, get on your bed, and say, hey, wake up. <laughs> yeah, Daddy wants some. Get that <laughs> cat out of the way.
3: You see, yeah, We were talking the other day, I think, with the, at least Aaron and Brandon about, about that. I had read that article about the remake of Working Girl. selena gomez is going to be in and how the person writing it was like oh they've got to redo everything in working girl because my god those people aren't even good people they don't act like good people and it makes me think okay so the modern audience you need to act like good people for it to be a good movie you
1: have to be relatable if you're a villain you got to be relatable it can't it can't
0: be negative or harmful unless it's uh, comedically intended if if it's not like i don't know bad teacher then it it needs to be very cut and dry good Yeah. Oh. We
1: have a we have a villain problem with a lot of things nowadays because like just let them be villains. They're vile, they're bad. We don't need to like them. We don't need to ship no, they them. They need to have a, they
0: need to have a backstory. They need to have a spin-off.
1: It used to be that guys awful and Monsters had cool designs, but you weren't rooting for them. You just thought, yeah, it's kind of like scary things.
0: We need to know that their parents were pushed over cliffs by dogs. That's how it works. Out. Right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you're gonna make a fucking Corella movie, of course you want to see where a mother gets murdered by dalmatians. Otherwise, what the hell are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> you're you're um, entirely right. Like that? Yes, yes, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> 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 no, I I do think there is a strain of criticism and I don't know how much it represents general audiences versus a certain strain of the perpetually online where, yeah, there's a certain depiction equals endorsement strain where, you know, people that, and I don't know, you know, I, I, I don't want to get too much into speculating as to why, but I do think it's a matter of when this generation grew up and they don't, you know, it's been a pretty shitty 20 years. Let's put it that way. Um and I do think there's a certain strain of popular thought that, you know, presenting problematic characters in films in anything other than, you know, Hayes Code type punishments mm-hmm. is implicitly either endorsing that behavior or going to inspire other audiences to read it in a way that is aspirational. It's also right.
3: Um, no one, yeah, no one thinks that you're watching this movie. We're not thinking this movie is telling us to act like my camera acts, but the movie is wise enough to know that we're going to find it compelling to watch a movie by a guy who acts like my camera acts because we've all done things. We all understand the darkness of, of certain certain human adulthood. So dark, the uh, kind of man. Yeah, <laughs> I, dark is the way that most like a harvest. That being said,
2: I do I do wonder in terms of the effect that because that pop culture does shape regular culture. If there really was some kind of harm over 20 years, you know, in 30 years we've gone from the Naked Gun two and a half, where which is those films are pretty conservative in their politics, not in a
3: dangerous really way, noticed. but they're yeah. made by
2: you know people that were you know sane Republicans. That being said, <laughs> in the Naked Gun two and a half, you know the the Republicans are cartoonishly evil who want to destroy the environment for shits and giggles. And that's fine. That's not considered a politically courageous point of view. That's just, of course, that's, these are the bad guys, you know, they're Mr. Burns and that, you know, 20, right. 30 years later, you have these films where the, these evil villains, they want to destroy the, you know, the world to save the environment. And I wonder to what extent, if there has been a consequence in terms of, popular perception by having so many big films and so many big tv shows where the villains had these sympathetic motives where they just went about them the wrong way
0: i do think part of this comes down to attention spans
2: Uh,
0: i think i think attention spans play a role into this where if you can if you can put things into a bite-sized container as far as a headline or a, a brief clip on twitter and that becomes like the defining way to understand the, the the method here and what the movie ascribes to and what it's trying to convince the viewer of. And you lose all of the context, you lose any sense of nuance, and you lose just the manner of how to watch a movie. I mean, talking about if you people would watch, watch a movie if here. people talking about how people would watch a movie like this these days. I mean the, the other key thing in all involving in all that is they have to actually sit down and watch it and, you know, not do anything else. And that's an increasing issue that I think is the, you know, not going to help.
3: I keep- uh, it doesn't
1: help older films, no, especially when well, like, films movies- are a visual medium.
3: <laughs> it's like movies that you have to watch as closely as this to get. You know, they still make them. There's the sophisticated movies coming out every year, but mm-hmm. but you're right. If someone watched this today, most people, at least by my perception of Twitter, would. Watch five minutes of it and find some way to be self-satisfied about not being a book barbarian like these people were.
0: Or highlight a thing that they think is the cool part and then not worry about it. Like think of something like Ex Machina, a movie that's popular, but it's an A24 film. It's not like it's a huge blockbuster. But what do people define ex machina as? Do they define it as a existential journey to understand the consciousness of an AI versus a human? Or do they define it as a movie about Oscar Isaac dancing for five minutes or two, five seconds? Like, mm-hmm. you know, what's what's the thing that stands out
3: more? So is the question then that in hard times we don't want to ever face. Things that are complicated and difficult, because these, this would have been hard times too. Like, what, not 1955, but the, the, certainly the Depression and certainly, you know, these guys who come back from World War II like this. He's sort of like a classic man in the gray flannel suit. And he has obviously has some, my camera has some kind of violent past, probably was in the service, probably killed a bunch of people. Don't ask him about it. He won't tell you about it. There were a whole generation of those guys who never had their lives Never told anybody what they did. And never t- what was audience. your question? Well, now I'm trying to remember. I've rambled. So <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm just because
0: because I mean, my my go-to thought on this is, well, this movie wasn't a hit. I mean, like it's held on, yeah. But I mean, it
3: wasn't a hit film. So. Wait, and
4: so that's what, Bogart, that, what but Bogart,
3: I'll say Humphrey Bogart is sort of the spirit animal, the, the patronus of film noir. He represents things that change, and now Humphrey Bogart is the guy we all want to be in a movie for 10 just years. Uh-huh. What 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 made what caused that change? What what was in the air that made people want to see themselves as more, slightly more fallible? I guess my the question is, who's
0: preceding? Who's preceding Humphrey Bogart? Like who's the who's the people that people, who's the guy that people look well, up Bogart, to? Who's it's great.
3: Harry Cooper who is just gorgeous, or, or Jimmy Stewart who is, you know, and I think Clark Gable. Yeah, there you go. Clark Gable okay. who is gorgeous. Yeah. Rogue, to be good. fair,
2: is a rogue and Gone with the Wind. He's a rogue, yeah.
0: Yeah, but he's Clark Gable. I mean, yeah, yeah, but I mean, who it's, apparently it's... smells? So I mean, but
3: um <laughs> is kind of this sad bastard. He's an old guy. He's mid forties when when he when, for High Sierra. He's already his first big movie, and mm. you know, somehow Bobby Bogart became the hero of a lot of people for a small period of time in the country. Where well, people
0: I, you didn't know, it, that it, it, it must be a mix of both his voice and those Bugs Bunny cartoons. But I mean, I I don't I I can't <laughs> I I you know based on just my age and general knowledge of how this stuff works, it's hard to say what exactly, you know, led point A to point B, but I, I don't think I'm too far off by saying things like, you know, westerns and certain genres, not necessarily got played out, but certainly where it's such abundance that seeing something different with a commanding guy like Bogart, uh, you know, regardless uh, of his...
3: regardless uh, of the- it. Popular through the fifties, Western. Again, I was. I'm not saying that they're gone. I'm
0: just saying there's certainly an abundance of them. Where if you have something else that's shiny and new with this particular guy in it, I can understand flocking to that also, if not more so in some cases.
3: It's like but, an bad. He's like an, an urbane character as opposed to a, a uh, sure. And I mean, it's,
1: America I, makes weird choices sometimes. Like I mean, go to 80s, Schwarzenegger, <laughs> like.
0: Yeah, that we wanted want this big Austrian, Austrian
3: guy, guy to be the big it's thing no question, <laughs> it's no question why Bogart and or Schwarzenegger were big because they're great yeah. five minutes either compelling characters to watch well, I mean, that's what my it's mistake to, right?
2: that's the John Makovich character there he is yeah. there he <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> by the way these,
3: these henchmen these <laughs> guys are both these oh, guys, guys, are guys are both
4: the...
3: you got the guy that's with creepy. the funny eyes here he who's dead so I can say he's got funny eyes you guys recognize Jack Elam because he was all through sort of the 80s he probably died in the 80s but he was like the crazy old coot and everything <laughs> from the 70s and 80s. Brandon, I'm sure you've seen Jack Elam movies. He's just got those funny, those skewed those, those eyes.
1: Yeah. He's a- he, very. He's, like, he's in the, like, Peter Lurie school of...
3: <laughs> he's a, well, he's in this almost like an American Boris Karloff, but later he was, like, in Smokey and Bandit 2. Yeah. He was in a lot Suburban commando. commando. Was it? Yeah, see, he? Yes. He, he was in a show when I was a little kid called Struck by Lightning, a show about... He the was in Franken- a lot of, like, gun smokes and...
0: <laughs> Western
3: and, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I was, gonna, I was gonna say the two henchmen
0: they're both in the killers playing like similar characters <clears throat> in the, the Burton Lancaster killers, yeah. The Burla, yeah, the first killers, not the superior Reagan Paul.
3: killers. <laughs> you wouldn't even see a guy like Jackie Elam in a Clark Cable movie, <laughs> like, you wouldn't, there wouldn't even be the admission that a guy like that exists that looks like Jackie Elam. Not to be cruel, but he, he's a successful actor, but like, just the fact that a guy has a face like that makes it kind of a film noir. And he's in a lot of film noir, Jack Elam.
1: So, yeah, this is this beautiful beach scene, big house, and it's a uh, chase down. Yeah, it's dirty. Lunging, beat him up. It's, an, it's not a nice fight. It's messy. It's just uh, guys, untrained guys that just throw clobbering fists. It and- looks
3: like the location in Ale Caesar. Yeah. <laughs> <Right> yeah. Where- <laughs> and Ham-
0: Hammer is unconscious again.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's not a great uh, hero, Mike Hamlin. He's just kind of a force of nature. I like noirs that take place
0: at the beach. That's that's fun. Yeah. You don't see enough yeah. of that. Yeah. I know you, Scott. You're not the biggest fan of drive. I really like when they go when he beats Ron Perlman in the beach, and it's like it's just you don't see that kind of stuff very often. As far as just using the ocean uh, for in a variety of ways, you know, oh, keys is back. <laughs> 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 they gotta, what do they got to get out of them?
2: The uh, um, a week after this film, that's when ET first visits visits him. <laughs> <laughs> it came to me when I was a boy fiction, too, Elliot.
1: Kind of that Pulp Fiction influence, right there. Oh yeah. yeah, the Gimp.
0: Now mm. so you could, yeah, you you could. Take pulp fiction and feel like Tarantino like Mm -hmm. walked in at the last twenty minutes of this movie and decided
3: Mm -hmm. I'm gonna build something around this. Now,
1: now, Mister Bond,
3: we will get you to talk. That's what you're talking about with the Raiders of the Lost Ark too, right? When he, oh yeah, when they open the
0: ark, yeah. (laughs) yeah. Or Repo Man. Repo Man is probably the most obvious.
3: Oh yeah, that's a direct. I mean. (laughs) And that's it's not Wallace a criticism. I the what's in Marcellus's Wallace case? What do you think? It's his soul. What do you think it is? I'm like, no, it's not anything, it's a glowy thing. Everybody wants that's what's in there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, not, matters. it's not a mystery about what's in the thing. You're doing it wrong if you think it's a mystery about what's in the case. It's bearer bonds. <coughs> Whatever it's it is. It's always be- I don't give a shit. I don't know it's what like it is. <laughs> Yeah, the way Cloris Leachman is tortured at the beginning of this movie is pretty shocking. Yeah. Also startling to think this is 16 years before the last picture show. Like, what Was Cla- was Cloris Leachman acting this whole time? Was she just... I, assumed, wife... I assume so. Yeah. not yeah, yeah. so long before the last picture show. Where she's already playing a sort of middle-aged character. I mean, she has
0: uh-huh. a lot of credits. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm, not, I'm sure she's probably doing stuff. This is her first movie? This, is, Yeah, this is her first movie.
3: Auspicious. Guess not too yeah.
0: much. I'm looking at her list now. It's like one other thing in the '50s and the '60s. A couple things. She's in Butch Cassidy. Was
4: oh, she?
0: She's in W. She's in a lot of Paul Newman. Apparently, she's in WUSA.
1: See, so this is I like this costuming with this guy because um, mm. you know he's casual. We have fun. Okay, get out of my house. And now it's like, oh, he you know he's he's in his mode now. He's clocked in. He yeah, things could go. Down here. Yeah, the the just, eyebrows just by, are even
0: more sinister.
1: Yeah, just by showcase of his outfit tells a lot. Like, we're in the office now. You are, you
0: know. Oh, TV. Chorus Leach was doing a lot of TV during this. That's what I'm, <laughs> I was looking at the film list. TV, she's all over the place, guesting on a bunch of stuff.
2: And she's in Raising Hope, which for completely
3: unrelated reasons we were talking about before the podcast started.
0: Yeah, right. yeah see, I was just saying she's in TV. Course, Leach on a lot of TV during this.
3: Grandma My wife said she's on. Lassie
0: in the mid 50s. A couple Alfred Hitchcock Presents episodes.
3: That makes sense.
0: 57 episodes of Charlie Wilde, Private Detective.
1: I own all those on CED.
0: No, just kidding. <laughs> well, my camera's got a way out. Yeah. The old move my hand around enough and I can escape.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I was going to break my thumb.
3: There's your Venetian blinds. Yep.
0: Required by law.
3: <laughs> I feel like we're original in double indemnity. I feel like they're sort of in that a lot. And that was like an original touch. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Sort of sideways prison bars.
0: It's funny because like indemnity is, you know, it's 44. It's midway through this whole period. Yet it has a lot of like. It's a, one of the pinnacles. The so yeah. It has a lot man. of stuff that like feels like it's what's
3: established then. Yeah. No, that's right at the beginning. 44 was right. It's only, you know, it's right at the end of the war and after that noir starts happening. Double and or in the, the multi really is where you can start. I look at multi spell because it's you know, like 41.
0: I mean, yeah, it's, and there's protos and what, 41, what happened. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Last weekend, that's when I watched in my film class. Just hit me.
0: Okay, there you go.
1: That was That's when I was like, oh, why was it?
0: Because you look at stuff, you know, the evolution of like German expressionism and things like Fritz Lang's films or whatnot, where mm-hmm. they're not necessarily noir, but I mean, it's hard to, you can't can't not say it either. As far as some of those films, how those films go? Well, retro,
1: retroactively, it
0: wasn't
3: yeah. there yet. It was, no, yeah, I but, get that. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, but early horror movies have a big. Oh, of course, of yeah. It's like Dracula yeah. and Frankenstein. The, the it's, it's, just,
0: it's use of sh- yeah shadows and you know the uh, architecture of certain buildings. Because you have got these you're know, these great European locations that they can work with, and it just makes it look yep. funky. Funky, funky, funky. Fritz Lang yeah, is another yeah. great one.
3: Yep, Fritz Lang makes some great one. Big Heat. Big Heat. The Woman in the Window. Scarlet Street. uh Great.
0: Where's that yeah. box set? Where's the Fritz Lang box at? Oh,
3: oh gosh, I mean, that'd be great. Too many different companies.
1: Maybe next week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Dairy> comes out. <laughs> they have a few. I mean, the guy I have yeah. M. Like, mm-hmm. love be some them. A lot of great eyes in this movie. You mentioned that earlier, but there are a lot of like mm-hmm. great faces to really uh-huh. keep up with the action. Yeah. This, like, like, this
2: guy's like, what the fuck do I do now?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so am I the boss? Do I find him? <laughs> I would like to be the
0: boss, but... We could talked over it earlier, but, the, you know, him getting brought to that beach house to begin with it's a good scene where you know hammer walks in the door turns on the lights and there's two guys there that's just classic or something yeah. kind of detective oh, story or anything it's great
3: somebody locked their doors yeah that's sort of a prideful way i think we don't lock our doors
1: they still don't in canada right
0: they Let's remove the doors canada. at this point oh. it's very drafty beat up hammer ties and you know slightly like, loosened oh, hairs a little a must
3: <laughs> in the 40s and 50s whenever you go into a room there's a huge bar that you can just walk up to, oh yeah know. everybody every office everything yeah. there's like there's like the little cart every, with the yeah. liquor like, is there you can make whatever drink you want in you know, a stranger's yeah. house you know but people no one would, yeah but no one has a problem just... no one has a problem everyone's fine
1: there's a bucket <laughs> of fresh ice of, cubes there's yeah, always a bucket of, of fresh gang, ice they're
3: cubes i was asking for white russians is i think that extension of that gag yeah
1: <laughs> oh they all have the um the carbonator thing yeah, to, the, the yeah. seltzer thing yeah seltzer thing yep
0: It's a neat two-shot. Mm-hmm. It's not a split diopter, but, you know, it's just like looking close, at it. It's like, close to a De Palma. Yes. Yeah. Like today it would be. Yeah. <laughs> but now it's just like, oh, they just put people in front of the camera.
1: They got it pretty focused. Yeah. For, for that. yeah it, pretty... it looks like Shatner there.
4: Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. yeah.
3: There are a lot of those guys. <laughs> yeah. Fifth century white guys. Just a lot of them.
0: I like that this point in the movie, Hammer's like gathering intelligence basically. He's just like mm-hmm. becoming like, I need to be smarter if I want to live through this. <laughs> like, that's his <laughs> kind of like method to perhaps method. I should detect. I need to like figure this out. I can't just be oh, this walking schmuck. In and punching. Oh,
1: I, lo- I love the this, this Morticia. He's such a schmuck. <laughs> <laughs> And he's very much like uh, Raiders, the the Nazi. Uh, yeah, they're, they're they're you not know, yeah, no, yeah, the the, yeah. yeah,
0: the, yeah, um, yeah, the co hanger, black hat guy, yeah, yeah. the yeah.
2: cool guy, who uh, was the coolest villain ever when I was a kid. The, the Nazi one,
0: yeah. yes.
2: <laughs> like Tucker, Tucker, or what? I don't know. Someone on Twitter will correct
0: us. I like that Raiders is all of one of our favorite movies, and we have no idea what this henchman's is. Figures
3: <laughs> 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 they made that time. Because Belloc, oh, Belloc, Belloc is, got is such a up. good name. It's like, why remember anybody else? I had him. I had that guy. He had this cool leather trench coat that was one piece. He popped on his shoulder. The yeah. little guy even had the even had the little mm. scar. That was a cool. That was the figure I bought, but they didn't have It any is like Tot.
0: It's Taut. Yeah. Major Arnold Tot. Yeah.
3: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It's not, the the country part, it's the not a great Klaus name compared to Klaus Belloc Belloc,
4: <laughs> <laughs> Belloc.
0: And I, I don't even try to ask me who the, the other like German captain is that also gets his head melted in that movie. <laughs> I can't name it yeah. at all.
3: That guy's in a lot more movies than the guy who plays
0: yes. the other guy. Well, yeah, because he has you know he has a face for playing military men and authority figures where, <laughs> where yeah. Spielberg's like, yeah, get Ron, maybe Ronald Lacey. He looks creepy. When is he going to be using it again? I
3: don't know. <laughs> it's like I, I'm not going to see Ronald Lacey in a single other movie. Spielberg has a lot of people like that in his movies, right? No one else ever casts them but him. Like the dad in AI? Who was that guy?
0: That's a fun, yeah. You're you're entirely right when you say things like that. <laughs> it's like yeah. there are a lot of like very specific character actors that he chooses because he knows what he's doing with them. But nobody, yeah. even with having a Spielberg film on their resume, doesn't even get them the job <laughs> afterwards. Right? Yeah. yeah.
3: Wide ranging commentary. I kiss me, definitely. touching all sorts of. <laughs> yeah, he's a weasel. This guy. I, yeah. I, mean, I Wonder what his deal is. Well, I mean, I mean talk about wide
0: ranging but look at Spiel- yeah i love that when he breaks his hand uh but you look at spielberg's films i mean there are ones that you know edge close as far as influences what he's bringing up something like
1: more enjoyment that yancey mentioned earlier yeah. Being <laughs> the guy, this is, yeah
3: that's like a perverse sexual thing you can't do that
0: but you look at elements of some of the indies as far as framing shots or what have you where you can see where he's coming from as far as what he's pulling from from pulp stuff
3: oh of course of course even the framing the framing of indiana john's the character in that one he's much more of a sort of shape is he morally you know is he like fritzy dobbs in the
0: yeah, more more for, compared to the sequels for sure. There's a not, that, it's, Hero, not yeah. that it like descends because of that, but you know you can look <laughs> you can look at the way Indiana Jones is portrayed in The Raiders versus Last Crusade, where he's just a straight up swashbuckler. Yeah. But even in some of his latest films, it's like a like I don't know Bridge of Spies or Catch Me If You Can. There's like shades of things going on there amidst the very shininess of some of them.
3: well Munich is.
0: Munich, of course. Yeah. I mean, oh, Munich, yeah. <laughs> Munich, Munich or Minority Reporter bleak as fuck when you just do the cinematography, cinematography alone. <laughs>
2: like. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I've, and many other people, I'm sure, you know, for me, I consider Spielberg more on the, you know, his darker pictures because, you know, I, there's a lot more Jaws than there is ET. Sure. Yeah. In his oh, filmography. Yeah. And I think a lot of what popular culture thinks about Spielberg is entirely around A, ET, and B, a bunch of films that he didn't actually direct, like The Goodies and Back to the Future mm-hmm. Gremlins that he is associated with in terms of 80s pop culture.
3: And I mean he oh, presents that's he, that's he, that's also, your, yeah.
2: say he also he also presents, presents himself
0: in a certain way that's oh absolutely very genial. Like you know he seems yeah. like a friendly you know you know like Scorsese seems Scorsese's fun and he's great to listen yeah. to he also seems intense. You know, yeah, like he seems, yeah. a, he seems a bit high strung sometimes. Where Spielberg's yeah. like, oh, we just had a good time <laughs> on set, you know. Where, for a yeah, couple of like, decades, that was cocaine. Um, but yeah. <laughs> you said it not me. Oh, 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 oh here we go. Hold on. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> here <laughs> it is. He's
2: getting the what's it? <laughs> this is <so> exciting. <laughs> Which is the best name for a MacGuffin ever, by the way? Yeah,
0: the great oh. what's it? Like watching this for the first time, seeing him, like, okay, they found the thing. Like, what's this? Go- like, my mind is not thinking. You know contained nuclear bomb that's going to scream at you like that's not the yeah. thing. That- <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing it's not just the light it's that it hisses when he opens it it's like what the fuck <laughs> it's so crazy
2: and the other guy's face
0: is just hey. holy shit yeah he was 30 years old before this scene yeah <laughs> <laughs>
3: just released a little bit of nuclear bomb but not too much
0: yeah just enough to like scuff his, he his, his life by scuff, years. scuff he his arm a little bit let me write that off he life, but he'll never know also it's know, in a box and that's fine apparently don't worry you about
1: know, it's it. funny. when I, I when i watched it a couple nights ago for this and i the first time you know you see it there i instantly recalled the scene where he's walking up to the The building and the guy's got the case and it's got it strapped around his head for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. But I I was recall I immediately transported back to that scene because those trunks look similar, but there's there's no correlation. But I don't know why. Like I just like the same
0: store, you know.
1: Yeah. I was just reminded of that moment for some odd reason.
3: It's almost like a we're not in Kansas anymore vibe here that at the end of this sleazy you know la detective story is a nuclear device you know mm-hmm. like it's such a bigger thing with the strength know. to blow up a beach house it's
0: it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's just such a wild turn where and i love it like, it's, yeah. Like, yeah. it's just jarring but it, but it, <laughs> it but it also like it gives you this like uh, you know not too unsimilar to like chinatown where it's like there's a larger world here and you yeah. cannot control
2: it like you you just right. get out and survive like <laughs> Yeah, and this is this is a film that where you know the the private eye or whatever the hell he is at this point was wrong to try to solve it himself. And the authorities were right to tell him to buzz off and leave us alone. And that makes you know, me he,
0: curious if how many movies we should list that actually like what would it be if they did just buzz off and leave things alone. Yeah. How how would they like work out? Taken <laughs>
2: three, for example, where Forrest Whitaker would have solved his wife's murder all on his own. <laughs>
0: interesting but even like serious like if Maltese Maltese falcon if humper bogart's like oh they shot my partner okay so this is the one i just don't need to worry about and yeah. like just 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 let like peter laurie and, and and uh green, uh, green, Street green just, like, just do their own thing and there's like at the end of the day they just find a fake thing and keep moving i guess right they don't like yeah. nothing nothing really amounts from that <laughs> so like, if what i don't know if rick just treats elsa like you know nothing special it's like yeah here's a free drink and i'll be in my office
4: Go yeah, feels,
3: back. Um
2: any you other know, classic example of that, and obviously this isn't a plot hole, it's just whatever it is, but you know, if Indiana Jones and Marion you know he saves her life they leave the bar as it's burning and they go off on vacation and the rest of yeah. the movie pretty much transpires as is well, nothing goes, make, yeah, they no. can't find it to yeah. begin with
0: they're just going to dig, dig yeah. in the digging of the desert the whole time
2: well <laughs> yeah. it isn't
1: get to put in the hands of top men
3: yeah <laughs> that's true That just goes to show you that it doesn't that that's not a thing then it doesn't really matter yeah, of course not yeah no it, it, because you know, the characters it's, don't it's, know that
2: when they're it, on their journey it's right.
3: it's ford's argument for stagecoach why not they
0: shoot the horses because then there's no movie Right. Yeah. well well the,
1: the, the that's just such a stupid mis- like the there's the journey going on the journey and at the end he's pissed off about this exact thing he's like why did i go you know
3: yeah I well even out- even, yeah. even before
1: they like,
0: open the thing his arc is all no pun intended his the arc of his character <laughs> <laughs> like, the arc of his character is to come to understanding the power of the of the
2: the arc to begin yeah. with so it's like yeah, we yeah, we should fuck with this. <laughs>
0: it's crazy. What are we doing here? Yeah, Don't look I at mean,
2: that. <laughs> and again, this is not a criticism. The movies are what they are, but the only one of the four where he has a proactive role in the adventure is Temple of Doom. Yeah. Where he goes to a place a and mission, retrieves a, a stolen object. There, well, there's a mission he wants to get directly get these, saves lives. He
0: has to, but he also wants to get these kids like he's missing yes. he's exploring mm-hmm. this thing to get these kids back that have been exactly. stolen from an area. Um Last Crusade's just greedy. <laughs> 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 I guess Crystal Skull is like a rescue thing of sorts as well because of that well liked John Hurt character we all
2: can't right. stop. Oh, out. yeah. Because Sean Connery said no thank you.
4: <laughs>
2: I'm retired and I'm loving it. So, what do you want me to do? Uh, drive around in the dirt somewhere? <laughs> no thank you, Stephen. <laughs> Monkers.
0: John
4: Hurt album. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> you, know,
2: uh, you know, John Rise Davis said no thank you. Sean Connery said no thank you. And I don't know it was a movie about Sala being possessed by aliens. <laughs>
0: Could have got like short it round to do that? Often. Like No, he was busy being Asian and not casting things. That was not allowed. Just... Yeah. All right. So that was that's how that was going.
3: He doesn't remember short round, Are you crazy? Oh,
0: look at that. there's oh. just a little bit of blood. Yeah. Or maybe just spit up something. He was eating and they killed him. More likely scenario. I was going to say something I forgot now. <laughs> all this that's going on right now.
2: Um, <sighs> We're in the end game now.
0: <laughs> I completely had a thought now. <laughs> We've got too, too, too many tangents stacked by each other. Um, no filter. Hmm. I guess I wonder, like, in a movie like this, especially Fifty we've seen a lot of noir at this point. Are you, are, Do you think audiences are still, like, curious, like, which characters are on what side of things? Or do they, you know, are they looking at someone like uh, Lily or, I guess, Gabrielle and being like, ah, oh, she's probably the villain. She's probably behind all this. Do uh... they care?
3: Considering that there were like fifty episodes of detective shows every week on television. Yeah, that's the other thing, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure that even yeah, I'm sure that every was
2: Naked City on it this time the show.
0: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it had to be before this, the show. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, and you know, I I don't know if audiences were knowledgeable slash aware enough to think, well, this is the major character who we haven't seen in like twenty. No, it's fifty-eight. It was 1958, really? so Naked it was City? not on yet. Yeah, okay. Naked City, oh. 58 to
3: 63. When's the, the movies before that? Then the movies, yeah, on, like yeah, the before 56. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a 40s, isn't it? Naked the- City, <clears throat> very uh, the Naked City. Naked City,
0: uh, 1948. Yeah, wow. Okay, took a while. Get that legacy TV series going. <laughs> uh,
2: no, even if they don't think that she's the villain, they're probably expecting to see her again.
3: Sure. Now, do you think oh. that I always perceive that as a major change in in audience's temperaments? Do you think it was always a game of outsmarting the movie, or do you think back then it was it was oh I no not there's always
2: audiences that did that you just didn't hear about it because there wasn't Twitter well
4: yeah.
0: yeah I mean it's the same thing I say about trailers where trailers give away the entire movie from back then yeah so you watch a trailer oh, yeah. Casablanca it tells you the entire story that happened and you're just like okay so let's see the whole version of this but granted trailers are only seen when you see a movie they're not seen on the internet or you know yes. and you know, on TV like you're not seeing trailers anywhere else except the theater so if I you did... were
1: at a theater this time you might have seen it more than once though they sure have... well, you were there yeah. the afternoon
0: and even then a theater experience is well, that's not necessary It's like, kids would go to matinees or whatnot all the time. That's what you would do. <laughs> but, uh, but
1: you weren't paying that deep of attention, pausing, screen capping, well, yeah, keeping but, in mind what trailers do. So you're just like, "Oh, that looks like a fun adventure." Yeah, it's a like B, it's a more ca-
0: it's a more casual experience. It's not a it's not yeah. a thing to figure out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, not
0: a, you know, it's a movie, not a puzzle box. That's
1: a part of today's <laughs> audience is wanting to be ahead of and smarter than the movie by just sheer thing of like, here, let's tell you this. Or
3: mm-hmm. I always thought that was just people wanting to, you know, when you go to the movies in L. A. In L. A., you feel like ninety percent of the people there assume they're going to have careers in Hollywood someday or want to. Correct. Yeah. Them. So they feel like their job is to is to show that they're better then the person who made the movie and they outsmarted the person and they should have the job instead. Right. So that it's hard to separate that from if This played in, you know, Chicago or somewhere in 1955, would an audience just sort of be sitting back and going with it? Or would there be those people who were trying to get ahead? I guess it's just, I'm sure that it's a mixture of both. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be like, a in <laughs> the
0: audience that wants to yeah. like have a certain yeah. take on things, or you know, the Beatniks would have you. But I mean, casual audiences are casual audiences, right? You know, they don't care.
3: Casual audiences <laughs> now are pretty much trying to outsmart the movie. It's, it's, I, I would, yeah. I would,
0: argue, I, I don't deny this, but I would say there's, you know, there's still the people that just watch Star Wars yeah. to watch Star Wars. I mean,
3: for <laughs> Hollywood that wasn't always there. The last fifty years has been a lot of contempt for Hollywood. I don't think it was there at the beginning. I don't know what changed or what changed it, but maybe it was Vietnam and just the whole general. I mean, that, that only
0: stuff. goes so far when movies make like a billion dollars and it's not just a billion dollars worth of people that are snarky.
3: But, but people treat <laughs> movies like found objects now where they made the movie good by watching it because they were in a good mood and saw it with their friends. They don't really think about the work that went into it or didn't go into it. Well, if yeah, there's somebody it's that just watches their... movies well, to
2: watch movies, it's, you'd never thought about that. It's like the way I watch a sports game. Yeah, right. I can appreciate the athletics and I can have a rooted interest in the outcome for one reason or another, but I'm not going to be, you know, knowledgeable enough to right. dissect the mechanics of the game as it was being played. And the example I was given, you know, Star Trek to Darkness comes out, gets decent reviews, gets an A from CinemaScore, but certain portions of the fandom for reasons right or wrong. Do not like it. And it is declared the worst Star Trek movie ever by, you know, certain fan polls. And that narrative sticks, even though 90% of the general audiences either loved it or thought it was fine, whatever, right? They saw it once or twice in theaters, they had a good time, they never thought about it again. And that's the same way with a lot of these these big franchisey films that everybody well, yells at each other about yeah. on the internet.
1: Well, and uh, like the we've, art of we've
0: solved our keys and, question by the way. Yes, with this guy with Doctor um, Doctor
1: The the art of movies and the interest in checking out how they're made dwindles, 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 dwindles because movies have become with the the movie crowd now like someone i saw someone recently saying like man there's this amazing light and sound documentary on disney plus why aren't people talking about it because they aren't industry because they're too busy in checking off boxes rather than hanging with the movie they just saw thinking about that yeah. or they're trying to get those quick hit things to talk about.
0: Yeah, you got to stream not the next thing. Further. You got to watch 10 more episodes of this thing to talk about it mm-hmm. instead of to focus on the one thing you watched.
1: Making ofs used to be TV specials and then they <laughs> relegated to a cable thing, to a bonus feature on a DVD to hope they get made or hope they make quality ones. Um documentary back of streaming but yeah, like from Star Wars to Jedi, that aired on television. Um and now you get the, the history of light and sound, which is a magical freaking six part documentary. That's just everything, but it's not to people because they're more worried about who's going to pop up in Mandalorian season three for a cameo rather than how did they do this? The, the art of the volume is more interesting than that to me, but I'm a film person, but there are film pe- people that tell you they're film people and not give a rip about that. It's about like, well, is, uh, so, Doctor Afra gonna show up in this? Next- <laughs> oh, okay. to, to get no. back
0: to I get I completely I agree with what you're saying completely. To get back to this for a bit because we're at this sort of climax here, right? The we're dealing with the box a lot now. The what's it the bomb thing, and I really like because um, now um, Gabby Rogers you're like she's full on the evil character of this movie. Like that's what we're getting mm-hmm. revealed. But everything is coming because of her obsession with this box now. Like the way her eyes are, she's she's constantly looking at it. It's, it's just it's drawing her in and I really like it the way it's like, we've already seen a tease of what this box is and it's danger. Like we don't want more of it. Yeah. Uh, but I, but like her, she, like the obsession with her is right there. And it doesn't take long just to overcome like anything else in her life. She just wants this box. Uh, I love this closing death line that he has here. The, uh listen to me as if I were Cerberus barking with all his heads at the gate. Yeah. I, I will tell you where to take it, but don't open that box. Like that's one we should use. That's it's the daily lexicon. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I love his, his his his. I got shot. Face
1: looks like more like dinner didn't agree with it yes. <laughs> he's pissed.
2: He's rolling his eyes in annoyance like, almost. Oh, god, darn it! It's because of this box. Because he's like. I
0: need to like get this out because the box is dangerous. <laughs> like, I don't have time to die properly. <laughs> I heard. yeah, I like smile. her reaction. Yeah, that's it's... a creepy smile. Yeah,
3: <laughs> it is so my type of girl. And you say she's supposed to be a lesbian? So interesting.
0: Yeah, Ralph Meeker's not yeah, about to charm his am way am out of this charms. one. Charms. <laughs>
1: I like how he's actually well like he's showered, cleaned up, and ready to go for this final he scene. He knows how pretty rugged
0: works. <laughs> yeah. We do some close-ups here too. Like it's really raising the intensity. Another lost art. Look how that you look?
1: Get she's oh. got very British teeth. <laughs> well, she's a uh, she German, I believe. I yeah, think, so. Okay,
0: you know, she's European. European
2: teeth.
3: Okay. A low character. She didn't have time to brush her teeth. And she just shoots
2: him for shits. Yeah, you know, whatever. But as opposed,
0: as opposed to the good doctor,
2: well, she didn't mess
1: around. Like I, you know, yeah, exactly. I, I could it's talk very... his ear off. But no, he's he's going to try to stop this. So but my, my
0: camera's better than that. He can he can withstand a bullet shot to the gut. <laughs> he can just get walk that off. <laughs> Rub some dirt on it. His hammer's made of steel. And here we go. This right here, this prolonged bit where she has to, like, unravel this box. <laughs> and we're sitting here thinking, we saw what happened the first time. Don't open that. But the doctor It barely said opened. It barely opened. Don't it's open just, it uh... more. And there's no sound right here either, right? There's no, like, it's all it's very silent in this whole sequence. There's no like, the, the music's very low, at least. Uh, and it's it's hot. Don't open a box, it's hot. <laughs> That's not a good idea.
3: <laughs> <laughs> at least get oven mitts. Yeah and she's going for it Your very idea that 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 that's this sort of existentially ruinous technology could be in the hands of just thugs and idiots is also frightening you know that, i, I got to open keep,
0: it all the
1: way like she
3: keeps opening and so she's like looking
0: at it in terror and still like i can't resist oh, opening go. this more i want to be here this is my good. camera <laughs> Fires. I like to even have like Why a little dummy of her being on fire. Oh I like name. that shot right there. Oh like...
1: no, that's horrifying
0: fire. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Sh-
2: they had it's like we need to get something in there they put an actual person and that's how the novel ends and they wanted to keep that shot even while cutting out i don't know all the details but again but the, the novel
1: it. had no nuke in it though no I, it was uh, drugs
2: and the mob and all that jazz right, yeah. so the whole nuclear subplot that makes this movie infamous was again it was a workaround to get around the Hays code so they could have this climactic shot of her setting herself on fire.
0: That's interesting. This is wild. Like, so like right now, like, there's a room that has like an A-bomb going off and my camera's yeah, this... stumbling around trying
2: to get her out. This, this is not how the Maltese Falcon ends. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I had to think that somebody walked out of the theater like this is way better than Maltese Falcon. Something actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> Maltese Falcon has been dethroned. Better I have Maltese. seen that Kiss Me Deadly. That movie was just Peter Laurie in a room for 30 minutes. Who wants to see that? <laughs> the big sleep can sleep the fishies. Yeah.
3: It's it's just trip, this
1: triple indemnity. It's yeah.
3: <laughs> an abstract rendering of the bomb, just this flickering light in a in a in a in a suitcase. Good use of location because you have like a real house, and then I
0: assume like a fake house. You were blowing something up behind the model.
2: House. It's probably a model. They actually did, they
0: did a new. <laughs> no, I'm saying, yeah, a fake model. Yeah,
3: right. Terms. Stuff that was mysteriously cut out of the movie. Yeah, so th- um, yeah, so this is
0: all out. This is all gone from the movie and the in the other version of it. We're just not mm. seeing any of this, which is wild. To think yeah, about. it just it just. <laughs>
3: So, it's still oh, pretty apocalyptic. It's still on the beach Oh, it is. Yes, well.
0: I'm not saying it's not.
2: It's <laughs> just it's wild to think that the movie just ended in the
0: house. And <laughs> they're like, ah, that's it. I, mean,
2: I think the implication is that you <Burning> know, <uder-〜> that thing's gonna keep burning forever.
0: Oh yeah. It's such a it's just such a weird choice. We're like, let's not have the actors in the last scene. It's like this <laughs> what did we save here? And now we blew this house up. And they're sort water. of returning to
3: the sea for
0: even, It's not like there's much here, it just ends. <laughs> that's
3: it. Yeah. Like real movies should. The water's purity. I We're guess. done. We have
0: nothing.
3: <laughs> One hell of a end too. It's a great end. That's VN. VN. why I,
0: if he just put a little question mark after it, that he grades it. It like really. You, you want
1: credits? Go see the movie again.
0: They're at the <laughs> beginning. <laughs> oh, I remember what I was going to say earlier. It was the it was the same logic of the what if they just walked away? What if Walter Neff just walked in the house, saw Barbara Stanwyck, he's like, no, I'm good. Walks <laughs> out. <laughs> She tries to do her thing anyway. Find somebody else. He and you know, Edward G. Robinson just spoiler. become best friends for the rest of their lives, have a good life together. Uh, all right. Last Kiss Me Deadly. That was good.
3: We did it. <laughs> that's, a good, that's just a good ass movie. Right I'll there. do more really old movies. Yeah. The you nation. The if you want to do Awful Truth one day, I will totally do The Awful Truth. That's oh, a great We're movie.
0: not lacking in a number of smaller and older movies that we could do. Uh, that said, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Well, September's got you know a weird list of anniversaries as far as more recent movies. Uh, We have what we have. um, uh, Princess Bride turns like what thirty five or something like that. Um, Last of the Mohicans, uh, that's the Game uh, turns twenty. L.A. Confidential turns twenty. Ooh, Ooh.
1: keep the noir train running.
0: Keep the noir train running. (laughs) I mean, with we could have did this in March, but like James Conn having passed, The Godfather still did turn. You know.
3: It's People local. are waiting for our commentary on
0: the couch. Yeah. Or, or, or or misery, you know, get another con movie in there.
1: Rollerball. Roller,
0: roll. Jonathan. <laughs> yes. Jonathan. Um, Rollerball. what else? Um, <sighs> um uh, Pinocchio turns like what, what would that be? A gajillion. 80? <laughs> <40. laughs>
3: well, that was 1940, so 40, yeah.
2: 82?
3: 80. That's right. <laughs>
2: Oh, because in 1940
0: it Is it 40 involved. exactly? Why
2: did I put it down there? I believe so I think Bambi is 41
0: Maybe we got a re-release
2: Dumbo is 42, I think Pinocchio I think I'll have to look this up Oh, no, I don't know why Because the Zemeckis' Pinocchio comes yeah, out Yeah, yeah That's why I
0: I think That's, what yeah. you're referring so that's why I put to. it on the list Yeah, okay uh, Avatar gets re-released that's my I movie. would love to do it on all
3: Disney movie. That
0: would be fantastic To do Pinocchio Pinocchio is okay. like we, a fun... Can
2: we do that at the theater in 3D?
0: Avatar? Sure Record a yeah. live audio commentary track yeah dude like on a wednesday morning, why are these guys talking the whole time <laughs> we can do that we can rent out a theater and just do an avatar <laughs> no pinocchio sounds like actually that'd be kind of fun to do actually hmm. anyway we'll determine all of this in due time but that is going to wrap it up for this month's out now commentary track for kiss me deadly uh let's go over where everybody can find more of your guys's work um yeah it's, anything you want to plug
3: uh, Milky Way Blues, I'm on Facebook, uh, Yancey Burns, Twitter, Yancey Jack, and uh, on on these fine commentaries uh, often. Yeah. Uh,
2: Scott Mendelsohn. Uh, Forbes.com, um, at Scott Mendelsohn on Twitter, and that's pretty much it. Brandon Peters.
1: Uh, at Brandon4KUHD on Twitter and Instagram, uh, and uh, thebrandonpetershow.com. Uh, my podcast, which Scott has been on all summer long, going through the films and times of 1982, and we're about ready to wrap up. So uh get in there, listen. You will and... not
2: believe the shocking season finale.
1: Yes, which we're about <laughs> we're about to record some extra stuff for it. So that'll be uh fun. So get your prize and gravy and have we been renewed yet? Um uh, <laughs>
2: We've got five scripts
1: for the next season, but nothing. Look out. It's the cancellation season. bear. Right.
2: That joke doesn't work anymore. It's been five years or so since that was anyway. Anyway, so yeah.
1: <laughs> Anywhere podcasts are found YouTube channel. If you want to like look at Scott and I, as we do it, be my guest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> put, your, put your magic to the test.
0: You can find everything I do at TheCodeAzeek.com. I also write for Leave Entertainment and Life So Blue. I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. This commentary and all the episodes of our podcast uh, can be found on iTunes, Boom, Spotify, Stitcher, where you can find podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, yeah, uh, Scott, Brandon, Nancy, thank you very much for joining me this month.
2: That was and fun. Was- that was good. That was really fun we should do more really old movies okay yeah.
0: well we'll keep that in, i mean Mnoki is right around the corner in that case but and, that, <laughs>
2: and, and, nosferatu, and nosferatu nosferatu october, for october yeah, yeah so and that's gonna do it for this you we can week. do another godzilla i'll bring ethan along
0: i mean i'm <laughs> not gonna oppose this that's gonna do it for this week this month's commentary <laughs> so until next time so long and goodbye